Unlocking. What was cool? Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, I... Wait, wait a minute. Didn't we record this episode like three days ago? I think so, and I see the moon coming. Oh, it's the dawn oh. of the first day deal. We're live. Oh, geez. Oh, we're all going to die. Okay, perfect. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. We better get this done quick before the moon crashes into this planet. But speaking of time, uh, I wanted to talk to you about airports, because, of course, airports, you know, a lot of different times. It's a bad segue. But anyway, yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you, who buys tech from the, the vending machines at, uh, at airports? You know, they sell, like, tablets and maybe a laptop or maybe at some point headphones were in there and uh, airpods and whatnot have you ever seen anybody tap their credit card on one of those machines i just i i, I also want to know this neil i want to know who is buying it's one thing to buy the headphones i get it maybe not the 200 dollars headphones but but i get if you're <laughs> if you're buying headphones whatever noise canceling ones wired ones but but seeing these just full off ipads in in a vending machine, there's something so wrong about items over eight hundred dollars in a, in a vending machine. I like the thought of someone buying it. It's like like a candy bar uh, vending machine where it falls like six feet, just cracks. <laughs> the screen just breaks. <laughs> Shake it. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah. personally have never seen anyone buying a really big item like that. I've seen some of the more questionable purchases at airports before. Like I've seen someone buying like a $20 bag of candy. It's like, really, eh? Mm-hmm. You, you are going to buy that for the plane. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need you need that, uh, yeah, that the $7 or not even, and that's like in the 90s, like $15 tuna sandwiches and, and everything else. I don't think I've ever bought food from an airport. I, I maybe buy Tim's. Like I'll get some Tim Hortons, like a tea or whatever, because you can bring whatever on the plane usually better than whatever they they give you you know your your hot drink in a dixie cup uh, (laughs) when you're when you're on a plane but there's a whole bunch of like random stores and airports that i don't know who's shopping at like like there's big liquor stores you can buy like fancy whiskey you can buy watches you can buy perfumes and like i know the argument like it's duty free it's like yeah but why like (laughs) why do you need these things to be duty free like do you not have malls where you are like like everything that you can buy in an airport is available in your shopping mall near you yeah it just seems like it's a lot to take on a plane as well like you have all the stuff that you're buying from duty free and now you're bringing it onto the plane with you like i got enough stuff to carry around on the plane i i I need as much room as i possibly can you know so it's uh and sometimes they have like the toy store in there that has like a like a lego set or something like a like i guess it's for that like divorced dad that like forgot it's christmas (laughs) and had to quickly panic and buy like an air canada uh sponsored toy like a plane man i was so close to buying an actual lego set from one of the kiosks <laughs> here at pearson airport in toronto nice because they had everything marked down like 30 percent off at, oh there you go and i was like wow this is like if i wasn't flying to a different location like if i was flying home i would 100 percent buy this and just put it on my lap uh on the uh on the flight home i buy like an expensive one because like that's that's a good deal 30 percent like yeah lego doesn't go on sale so no, that's uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was in my destination already, not where I was going. So uh, mm. uh, very, very sad there. But yeah, if uh, if any listeners out there do buy iPads from the vending machines at uh, at the airport, please let us let us know how that that transactional experience is. I really want to know. Yeah, I think that if I were ever ever if I was ever to buy something from an airport, it would just be out of sheer boredom because I'm there too long. <laughs> like I walk, I love walking around the airport because usually you have like 45 minutes to an hour and a half to kill sometimes yep. to before your flight. So, got to do a few laps. Got to just see. You know, I like to I like to people watch at airports. That's of course the highlight. 
um, at airports. But like, if I'm ever going to buy anything, it's it's not because I wanted it. It's because I've run out of things to do. <laughs> it does suck to like, part. if I love also wandering around and people watching at airports, mm-hmm. but it does suck when you're alone at the at the, uh, an airport, which is me most of the time for work, because I have <laughs> yeah. all my stuff with me. I'm like, oh, I guess I got to like lug this everywhere and walk around and now I'm all sweaty and oh, I, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. Airports just in general. A lot of work. Some some are better than others. Some are much much worse than others, and it's just it's not a great time. But you know, we we do what we can with what we have. Yeah, that's the only way to get around at this point. But Teleportation has not been invented yet. Not yet. They are working on it. Can't get here fast enough. Also, we need better train services in uh, in North America. We just have Via here, and it's it's not great. I would like to I'd like to be able to travel to more places by train. That would be. That would be ideal. But, uh, Mike, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Game Awards, the video game awards. At the time that this episode goes live, the Game Awards will be old news. It'll be probably two or three weeks ago, I think. But uh, we had our predictions. We talked about games that we thought were going to win Game of the Year. I think we both kind of agreed it would be between Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3 mm-hmm. uh, being Game of the Year. We looked at some of the various uh, categories. I think there were 30 or 31 different categories. Of course, we were uh, very upset that uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed is lumped in with sports games. <sighs> Basically, they, they lumped in sports and racing games, but there was five different esports categories, so I guess that that all <laughs> makes total sense. But a quick roundup, it was a three-and-a-half-hour award show. A uh, bit too bloated for me. I watched maybe a half an hour of it yeah. and had to turn it off eventually, but Game of the Year went to Baldur's Gate 3, a game that I will probably never play but good job to them best action adventure game went to tears of the kingdom best family game went to mario wonder best family game might as well just be renamed best nintendo game of the year at this point because that's what it ends up basically what it always ends up being and best adaptation went to the last of us tv show so all around pretty good glad to see some of the games that i had played uh this year get represented and uh and get get an award did you watch any of the award show or did you just watch like the highlights i watched the highlights um and uh very unsurprising, I think, uh, in terms of who won things for sure, especially the, yeah. the big ones. I was happy to see Baldur's Gate 3 win. Like you said, I'm probably never going to play it just because it just would be a huge time sink for one. I have so many other games I need to play and put hours into, but it looks really cool. And I, I appreciate the, the D&D aspect uh, of it and everything in terms of the lore and stuff. And yeah, it, the Nintendo games winning those genres, like nice for Tears of the Kingdom to win. Uh, win again uh, a Zelda game winning again not game of the year because Breath of the Wild won game of the year I'm pretty sure which was warranted I think and I I think I agree with that I don't think Tears of the Kingdom should win over some of the other games Um, so although it is still a fantastic game yeah who knows maybe I'll think differently in in five years it's always tough to give a game of the year award when you're in that year and then when you go back five years later you're like ah but I actually would have done this instead, you know, it just <laughs> your perspective changes. And then yeah. best adaptation. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, hands down. hands down. Last of Us, you know, shout out to the Mario movie, of course. So mm-hmm. it was good, but you can't really beat Last of Us. So no, yeah, the awards all make sense. Game of the year this year was very hard. Like there was yeah. some fantastic 2023 is going to go down as one of those years. Uh, like what was it 97 or whatever it was when Ocarina of Time came out and like the portal years and and like several I can't remember I think it was 2007 2013 it's like every five <laughs> eight five to eight years it seems like we have a great year in video games and this was one of those years oh, so yeah. yeah Tears of the Kingdom Baldur's Gate 3 Spider-Man 2 was in there um, it was it was really hard and honestly it can go to it could have gone to either one of them uh, the game awards themselves though they really need to figure out the format for them for me because like it was like I said before way too long the pacing is totally off it feels like an Oscars mixed with E3 mixed with 
advertising. Like it's just <laughs> one big advertisement really for upcoming games. And like sometimes the awards, you know, they they quickly just kind of hammered through like five awards, like best game for impact, best indie game, best indie game developer. And then it's like they just named them like one and then went to the next one and the next one and the next one with no speeches, no gameplay of the game that won. It was very unceremonious. Um, and then they would give a lot of time to Matthew McConaughey's new game, which looks like fun. Like, you know, they'd have like a long game trailer, but then nothing for the actual awards. Um, so that needs to be figured out. I know recently E3 just announced they're done. We're no longer finally even a chance. I mean, we knew E3 wasn't coming back, but finally they said it. So December is now basically the new June in terms of video game announcements. Yeah. We just got the GTA six trailer, which is great. We just got a bunch of new announcements at the game awards themselves, but it just feels like now it's too much in one award show. And, uh, it just feels rushed. And like I said before, the pacing is off, but the best announcement for me, and I think you'll probably agree is that Sega announced five new games in development from Crazy Taxi, Jet Set Radio. We're getting sequels to all of these games. And as we know, after covering the GameCube with the Capcom 5, whenever somebody announces five games are coming out, it's not true. The Sega 5. I can't That's wait right. to, to be going back to this years later and talking about the Sega 5. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, really stoked. Obviously, Crazy Taxi is, is a fan favorite for us. Uh, Jet Set Radio is a really underrated but fantastic and weird crazy game that I'm I'm super glad is coming back. I don't know if that's had any love since maybe like the Dreamcast. Yeah, the Dreamcast, honestly. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a really really cool game. So uh, excited about that. I just give them give me the Dreamcast mini. Come on, Sega. You're we're, we're close. We're 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 almost there. I can see them doing some kind of Dreamcast thing even with those um having those five new games in development we might get some more dreamcast news which i can't i can't believe i'm saying that <laughs> in almost 2024 but uh yeah it was uh yeah, totally agree game awards they need to figure out a better structure the the whole point of them is to not be like an oscars or grammys or whatever but now they've turned into just being that mixed with yeah just ads for new games ads yeah yeah if, if the oscars had a lot of uh movie trailers it's basically uh, basically what it would be two separate ceremony, two separate award shows or not a, one award show and one E3 basically is, is it really needs to be separate. Um, but we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, but nonetheless, it's still fun to, uh, to kind of wind down the year with a game awards, uh, award ceremony and you get to see all the developers and some voice actors there. So it's still fun. Uh, I just don't need it to be quite that long. I like watching the sizzle reel and reading the, uh, everything that happened the day after on IGN or whatever it is. But uh, Mike, moving on to uh, one of our favorite segments that we do, usually in the first episode of every month, we're going to do it in uh, towards the end of the month this month, is uh, our mailbag segment. And I think we have a, a baby mailbag, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? It's a baby mailbag. Yeah. Mailbag. Don't, don't, don't speak too quickly. It's sleeping. <laughs> Mike, who's the first writer of the day? All right, Neil. Uh, our first writer is actually a, not necessarily a correction, but uh, something to point out from our Star Fox episode that we talked about a couple weeks ago for Star Fox I remember 64. It. You do. You remember it well. Uh, time worked, works right now for, for now, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see when we get to the dawn on the third day. Uh, friend of the show, Ryan, wrote in saying, I just finished the Star Fox episode and I could be mistaken, but I don't think you guys ever mentioned that there is actually a hard mode you can unlock by getting a medal on every level. And then if you get a medal on every level in hard mode, you unlock an on foot mode in multiplayer. Just curious if oh. you guys knew about that. Okay, that sounds familiar, Ryan, now that you mentioned it. I never did that. That sounds like really ridiculously complicated to get to. A lot um, of work. For a Nintendo game. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a lot of hours I got to put into Star Fox 64 to do that. That's Thank you for pointing that out, though. I think that on the episode we mentioned 
the branching path is the way that you select your difficulty. But Ryan is right. If you uh, if you go around, you get all your medals. You get a harder mode on foot and multiplayer. That seems like such a ripoff of something to unlock too. Like because multiplayer mode is just not something that anybody really spent that much time in. Yeah, it feels weird that like they gave you this on foot. Uh, I don't want to say people were pining for this, but like it's something that you definitely have in the back of your mind where you're like, oh, it would be cool to like get out like on foot like in in this mode or something. But uh, and but it's in multiplayer instead. Like, I don't know. I felt, yeah, that's a little strange to do all this work and getting a medal. Like we we did. Ryan says that uh, he wasn't sure if we mentioned that there is a, a hard mode that you can unlock. We did talk about that, getting the medal, but we didn't talk about getting the medal on every level in hard mode, which yeah, is, yeah, that's a that's a lot. That's a lot of hours, like you said. It's uh, something that I don't think I will try, but, you know, if anyone else out there has tried it, let us know how that, that on-foot multiplayer mode is. And then let us know how you enjoyed the fully on-foot Star Fox adventures on GameCube, which we eventually got <laughs> free of charge. Not free of charge, but you didn't have to do all that to, to get on. So you could just buy Star Fox adventures at that point instead of going through all those hoops. Is that it for the mailbag, Mike? Have we exhausted uh, what is in our uh, our little burlap sack there? Our little baby mailbag? No, I have one more. So that's, oh, that's okay. what made two Two mailbags make it a twins. baby mailbag. Yeah, twins. It's twins. <laughs> uh, this is from a listener, Damien, who wrote this lovely little letter to us saying, I'm writing to you to say two quick things. First, thanks for your great shows. I've binged around 95% of your GameCube episodes over the last few months of dog walking, and it has been awesome to be reminded of the brilliance of the GameCube. I still have mine hooked up to the TV and adore it. In fact, I use it in my classroom. I'm a grade six teacher and yes. when teaching instructions uh, use how to play Zelda Wind Waker as a model text to hook my students. It always works. That's that. These kids are learning some weird things today, man. No, that, that's awesome though. That's uh, that's really cool. Glad to hear that you uh, are able. You were able to get a GameCube into a school. Uh, when we went to school, you weren't even allowed to bring your Game Boy anymore. So I guess <laughs> they've lightened up the uh, the restrictions. But I guess now the kids are allowed to use smartphones in class. A GameCube is uh, prehistoric in comparison. It's true, but a fantastic console, and so glad that uh, you were able to um, to listen to our our episodes. And I, I've I've communicated back with Damien too, and he said that he's listening to our new stuff too, really enjoys it. Uh, and that's always neat to see when uh, when he can someone can listen beyond the GameCube, uh, and that we like to do talk about other stuff, talk about some things like the N sixty four. Maybe Damien likes the N sixty four too, Neil. Maybe, maybe he does. That means he would like today's episode. With that, Mike, I think that it's about time that we jumped into today's uh, today's topic. What do you think? Let's do it. It is the dawn of the second day now. Oh, wow. We're moving through this very quickly. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 43 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. The show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet hosted by people who talk about airport experiences, I guess. Patreon is on hold this month, so just support the show by leaving us nice feedback and share us with your friends and family while you see them over the holidays. Last week, we talked about Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars on the Super Nintendo. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about another classic Nintendo game, but this week, we're moving up to the N64 to finish off the year with another Zelda game. This game was one of the last great games on the console with the weirdest controller and, of course, the console that Mike would like to throw into the ocean. (laughs) I'm, of course, talking about... The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, which was released on October 26, 2000, developed by Nintendo EAD, published by Nintendo. It was originally released on the N64, later released on GameCube, and then Wii, Wii U, 3DS, and now Switch. Rates a 9.5 out of 10. A loose N64 cartridge will set you back $75. In box, at least $200. Uh, On other consoles, the prices vary, of course, and it is a single-player action-adventure game. 
sold 3.36 million copies on the N64 and sold about the same on the 3DS, which I find actually kind of interesting mm-hmm. that it didn't sell any better uh, <laughs> 20 years later. Uh, it takes place two months after Ocarina of Time. Uh, Link has stumbled into a parallel world called Termina, uh, where he is tasked with stopping the moon from crashing into their planet, given only three days to do so. Mike, what are your memories of Majora's Mask, one of the great N64 games, great Zelda games of all time? Did you play this game back in the day? I did play this game back in the day, but not on an N64, Neil. I, of course, played this on the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition for the GameCube, which was technically, I guess, my the first game that I got on the GameCube because I got it uh, at launch, or uh, not at launch, but I got it for the um, that bundle that included the, um, mm-hmm. the Zelda Collector's uh, Edition in there that had Majora's Mask. It had... Uh, a big demo of Wind Waker in it had Zelda 1 and 2, and I think it had Ocarina. I always forget if it actually had that or not, or if Ocarina was separate. But um, uh, yeah, maybe Ocarina was separate with Master it's Quest. A separate, yeah, Ocarina was a separate one with Master Quest. That's, yes, that's right. Yeah. So still yeah. uh, a, a terrific bundle. Uh, although in recent years, people always talk about how Majora's Mask is super glitchy. It doesn't work that well on the GameCube. As a kid, I don't mm. really remember. I just remember having fun with it. <laughs> but I feel like if what I played it, it, yeah, <laughs> I feel like if I played it again today, I definitely wouldn't notice it because I played it um, again since. But yeah, my first experiences were playing it on the GameCube because I had known about uh obviously zelda and ocarina and stuff but i never played those games i i watched a friend play and maybe helped him a bit play ocarina on his n64 but i didn't own an n64 of course so i didn't play it myself so i actually am one of the very rare cases who played majora's mask without playing ocarina or really much zelda at all i was playing majora's mask basically at the same time i was playing um uh a wind waker uh, because wind waker also had come out on the gamecube so i was Trying to play both at the same time uh, would not recommend. Uh, very different <laughs> games. And I think I did eventually just settle on Wind Waker and then played that, f- fully beat it. And then I went back to playing Majora's Mask. And that is extremely hard game for a kid. And I, I do remember it really, really vividly. And one memory that I've, I've definitely shared on this podcast before, but I'll share it again for this episode, is that uh, my dad and I used to go to the library on Sundays. And uh, he would like... Uh, read all the different newspapers <laughs> uh, of, of the world that you would have there. And I'm, I'm sure they still might have that. And um, and I would go and just like read random books. And as I got older, I started uh, reading the game guides that they would have at the library. But most of the game guides you couldn't actually take out. It was in the same periodical article um, uh, area where it's just like you, you can take them and read them at the library, but you can't take them home with you. And so I would go and find the Majora's Mask guidebook. I would bring a little notepad and I would write down all these things that I was like looking for. I'd bring them to the library and be like, okay, like this is how you do this part. This is how you do this. Okay. Okay. And find all the solutions to some of the puzzles and then, you know, have my notebook, close it, go back home and then immediately start playing it because I was only allowed to play video games on Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Uh, and then I would sneak down and play them in the morning sometimes. But mm. <laughs> so on Sundays I played a lot of video games and, um, and I was ready to play Majora's Mask every, every Sunday because that was my routine was going to the library, learning things I didn't know about Majora's Mask and then mm-hmm. uh, trying to replicate them in the game. And sometimes it would work and sometimes I would have to wait another week to try it again because oh, I didn't I didn't copy it down right or, or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, that was that was my pre-internet uh, mm-hmm. uh, way to learn how to play Majora's Mask. 
I love the uh, only being able to play the video games on Sundays. Like on the seventh day, yeah, God created <laughs> video games. That's awesome. I love that. I love that analogness of, uh, of video games. Really, like just from the 80s up until basically we saw the tail end of that, like where you were writing down tips and like trading magazines with friends. Yeah. And of course, Schoolyard Talk that we've talked a bunch about. Um, yeah, I think I remember you telling that story. We, we covered Twilight Princess last December. That was our last one of our last big episodes of 2022 on the GameCube was Cool podcast. We are continuing that tradition this year with mm-hmm. uh, Majora's Mask, which is why we're talking about it now. That's probably when we told a lot of our, uh, our first <laughs> memories of Zelda. Yeah. Um, but that, that, I love that story still, no matter what. Um, <laughs> my early memories of Majora's Mask, I did not play it as a kid because I think I might have mentioned this either on Wind Waker or Twilight Princess. I didn't play Zelda games as a kid. My brother played Link to the Past on uh, SNES, and my cousin, uh, he played the N64 games, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And my my only childhood memory of this game, other than, of course, the moon and the mask itself, that's really all I knew about the game were those two things. Uh, I remember going over to my cousin's house and him playing it, and he was uh, playing the... um, the uh, the opening the the first dungeon the Deku uh, as the Deku scrub and mm-hmm. uh, in the swamp and uh, my younger cousin constantly unplugging his N sixty four while he was playing and of course Majora's Mask Jeez. is very sensitive with saving oh um, my God. and obviously you couldn't save at certain points in mm-hmm. in old games so he just kept unplugging it and then he'd have to start back basically on day one uh, over wow. and over and over he was playing Majora's Mask in real life while playing Majora's Mask in the game, basically. <laughs> um, and he was basically beating up on his younger brother because he kept on unplugging it, and it was a whole thing. We found it hilarious because what the hell did we know about this game at the time? But uh, as an adult, if someone was doing that to me, I probably would have killed them, yep. uh, knowing that you know that was going on while I'm trying to stop the moon from crashing into the planet. Um, but yeah, fast forward, I didn't really start playing Zelda games until I was 18, 17 or 18 years old, really. I was in college uh, when I picked up Ocarina of Time, and then a few years later, picked up uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. Um, so my first real experiences with Zelda was Ocarina of Time and then the GameCube games. Mm-hmm. I got Majora's Mask. I remember for my 21st birthday, it was high up on my uh, my birthday list that year. I really wanted to play Majora's Mask. I had, of, cur- of course, heard so much, so many great things about it, being on all of these different Nintendo, uh, Nintendo YouTube videos and podcasts and everything. This is a game that lots of people talk about. It's been a cult. It was it was a cult classic, really. Uh, in uh, the mid-2010s because Nintendo hadn't really done much with the Majora's Mask IP since 2000. Um, So the only way to play it when I was 21 was uh, to track down an N64 cartridge, which my sister did. Funnily enough, she she went to an EB Games, um, which is GameStop, in uh, 2014, asking if they had Majora's Mask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this is before the 3DS remake. Yeah, so yeah. the the guy was like like an N64 cartridge and kind of laughed at her. Uh, she was really self-conscious. My sister was o- – my whole family was always self-conscious about buying video games for me because I, I buy new games and old games. So they never knew which stores to go to and which games to get because yeah. I would go to retro stores and – Best Buy and EB Games and everything else, but she she tracked down an eBay copy. It was the first time I think she had ever bought anything on eBay, so she was super suspicious that the game wouldn't even work. Um, but it did, and I played the N sixty four cartridge to death that fall. I loved the game so much. I loved everything about it right away. I was leading up to getting it for my birthday. I was listening to the uh, Majora's Mask soundtrack at school because <laughs> I, I used to have hours in between classes where yeah. I would just study or work out or whatever, hang out and read or play games. And I was just listening to the Majora's Mask soundtrack, which really creepy to listen to if you don't have the context <laughs> of the game. Uh, really, really special soundtrack, really eerie, of course. And uh, Majora's Mask ever since then has been in my top three favorite Zelda games of all time. Up there with Wind Waker and uh, Breath of the Wild, of course. Um, funnily enough about Majora's Mask, and I'm excited to talk about it today, is that I've only ever really played 
the main story in the game. And I know that there it's blasphemous because there are so many side quests and uh, and side missions in the game to do. And that's where the game shines. And I've only ever really mainlined it. So I, I'm definitely going to go back. I've been playing it this week. I want to go back and collect all all the masks and find out all of the side stories because there's so much to, to un- unpack and uncover in this game. It's so deep. Uh, despite the fact that it was made so quickly and uh, released at the end of the N64's life cycle and everything. It was really put out at a tough time. It was the early 2000s, and um, the GameCube was coming out soon. The PlayStation 1 was already out. So the game really did get left behind in the in uh, 2000, up until 2015 when the uh, 3DS remake came out, came out, and I bought that game as well. And mm-hmm. I did too. the same thing again. I just mainlined it. I didn't do any of the side <laughs> missions, so I kind of screwed up twice there, but... Uh, both my copies still work, and like I said, I've been playing the uh, the 3DS version this week, and uh, I'm really enjoying it, uh, trying to do everything in the game, because uh, like I said before, I feel like I, even though I've played it so much, I've missed so much of this game. Yeah, I've, I also own the, the 2015 3DS copy, which I really, really like. I... That that came out in I call it Nintendo's uh, breaking uh, break glass in case of emergency <laughs> era, yeah. where it was uh, like in, yeah 2015 it was one of the first times that Nintendo had actually ever po- posted a loss uh, in a quarter for their profit and uh, things were not looking good in the land of Nintendo so they uh, they pulled out the the 3D version remade version of uh, Majora's Mask which we all knew was going to come out eventually because Ocarina came out in 2012 I believe or maybe late mm-hmm. 2011 for the 3DS as well, so you, we knew it was coming at some point, and it was really cool to be able to play it again, because I hadn't played it in 15 years at that point almost, or not 15, in uh, 12 years at that point. Mm-hmm. So really, really cool to play it again. And I I, I do maybe prefer the 3DS version, just because of the quality mm-hmm. of life improvements uh, that it has, and saving as well, Yeah, and the graphics and and everything like that because the the graphics are a bit janky in um in the Majora's Mask uh, uh, N64 mm-hmm. version as we'll talk about later on but yeah the the whole history of this game is is kind of interesting of how it really came about and it's it's something that we you and I and our friend group reference a lot when we talk about game development because I think this is a huge touchstone of game development of honestly just like a genius innovation game de- development really uh the whole idea here is that the dev team had about 18 months of time to create an entirely new zelda game uh for the n64 which was something that had never been done before zelda games really had a and still do have quite a big window in between them in, in terms of uh, uh of release times and, and even back then when release times were much much quicker uh still would take a long time to write a story write a, a whole new plot so this is the first time we also get a, a a direct sequel you know where they're using everything from ocarina this is very much a game that you should probably play ocarina first and then mm-hmm. <laughs> majora's mask which i did not do but um uh it's i think the innovation here is so cool because they had such a small dev time to create this and they were able to really boil it down to uh a, just a tiny little area really like it's, it's a small area that you explore and using uh, a fourth dimension you know last in ocarina they had introduced a third dimension with the 3d zelda now they introduced the true fourth dimension which is time and that allows them to scale the game and make it bigger without creating new assets and i think that is absolutely genius to create that and it's something that i wish more developers would would play around with the idea of a small atmosphere, mm-hmm. a small area. We talk about this maybe like Captain Toad is one of the, the few ones we can think of where they use a quite a small area to their advantage and make mm-hmm. it interesting. And and I feel like games nowadays are just trying to get bigger 
and all the time. And Majora's Mask, and even back then they were too. That was that was that's always been a thing of, of games. And Majora's Mask really went in the opposite direction. Say, okay, how about instead of adding more space, we take away space and we give you a time limit. And of course, that was pretty divisive amongst fans uh, at the time, and still is today. The time limit is always a thing. I mean, just talk to Neil about Pikmin. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I think it I think it works incredibly well. And again, just the genius of the innovation of creating something like this. I, I can't, can't state that enough. Yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. I love the idea of going for something really big and then scaling back and making something small. Captain Toad is a good example. I also think of uh, Arkham Asylum. Yep, perfect. Yeah. Uh, that's yep. another great one where they made it bigger with Arkham City and then made it arguably too big with Arkham Knight. Yep. <laughs> um, I think that we, we still see this problem with AAA games. It seems like every game that comes out that needs to sell millions of copies by one of the big developers needs to be open world and needs to have multiple branching paths. Like... I think about the game that came out this year, Hogwarts Legacy. My my wife's been playing it. You platinumed it this year, and she was asking, like, when do you think the next one's coming out? And I was like, probably five years because At they least. need to make a game that big. But it doesn't need to be like they could they could make a game all just about Azkaban, like, and it could be like Arkham City or Arkham Asylum, but in that one building and make it really small. They yeah. they could also do something with time in Harry Potter with the Time Turner. So yeah. <laughs> they don't need to go big, bigger than what they've done this year. But it, that was the case and that is the case in the video game industry you need to exceed what you did the last time and it was a really interesting constraint that they put themselves on and they did it because they didn't want to get in the way of the gamecube and they knew the playstation 2 was out at this point so majora's mask was put into development right after ocarina of time came out originally it was supposed to be the master quest version of ocarina of time on the 64 dd the disc system which was eventually canceled of course and ag anuma wanted to make uh some of the dungeons that he had ideas for and Miyamoto, Miyamoto was the one that said, all right, you can make this new game, but you have to do it in a year. Um, compared to Ocarina of Time, which took three years to develop. Yeah. Um, and that's where they came up with the concept of, okay, we're going to not give the player all these things to do. We're going to give them a few things to do, but in a short amount of time, and then redo it over and over again. And they had several different time-based concepts. At one point, the player, that you were going to go through a week in Termina and then start again, and that felt like it was too much. Mm-hmm. They scaled it back to uh to three days and they spent all that extra time that they had now bought uh just by reusing assets and making lots of side quests of course this <laughs> game only has four dungeons and a ton of side quests and different mission or different masks rather that you can collect uh, along the way and all in all it's one of the shortest 3d zelda games it only takes 20 to 25 hours to beat about 30 to 35 hours to 100 percent so compared to some of the other zelda games that we love and have talked a ton about like tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild and even the original zelda game this one comes up pretty short um in comparison and it's only the second 3d zelda game too that's another yeah. thing that you have to remember is ocarina of time 1997 was the first one this one like they really did have a lot of things working against them for this game to be as well received as it ended up being they they really did yeah it's almost impossible to top something like ocarina which was just it, it was huge it, it was revolutionary when it came out right just like mario 64 was and i think that's a good example of like think of like mario 64 and then imagine a mario 64 sequel coming out two years later like in 98 mm-hmm. like that's basically what happened here like and that's yep. uh i i impossible task to, to do and the fact that they they did achieve it i mean some people including myself think that majora's mask is actually the the, the superior game to ocarina and that leads us uh it leads me to a nice little point here because neil and i like to always rank our 3d zelda games whenever we talk about zelda on this podcast and last time on, on twilight princess we of course ranked them and mine personally has not changed uh, i'm not sure about you neil well, we have had a, one new 3D Zelda game come out this year, which Sorry, is why yes. 
why we should talk about this now. We did rank our 3D Zelda games a year ago, and since then, Tears of the Kingdom have come out. So a year ago, my uh, my top five, it was, or my top six, rather, uh, 3D Zeldas were in uh, ascending order. Skyward Sword at last, Twilight Princess at number five, Ocarina of Time at number four, Majora's Mask at number three, Wind Waker at number two, Breath of the Wild number one. That list still holds up. Uh, for me, Tears of the Kingdom, I would slot it between Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, and that is only because, don't get mad at me yet, that is only <laughs> because I still have no idea what the story is in Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I've only played the open world, I've only played around with the building mechanics and some of the underworld things. No major spoilers here, but I've only done exploration stuff, uh, so I really don't know enough about the story of the game and how it ends and any of the boss fights yet, so I don't know. I just know that I like it better than Skyward Sword already. So that's where I have it right now. So that's my new number five is Tears of the Kingdom. That's where it all still stands for me. But everything else still lines up. I still think Breath of the Wild is my favorite. Wind mm-hmm. Waker number two, Majora's Mask number three. Uh, how about you, Mike? Has your list changed radically in the last uh, last year since we've uh, last talked about this? Yeah, no, basically the same. And um, and uh, I mean, I can talk about where I put Tears of the Kingdom in here. Well, for me, it's funny because so Breath of the Wild is my number one. Wind Waker is my number two. I think that'll always be that way unless something crazy happens. Uh, and then Skyward Sword is my last. And then between those, uh, just like you, uh, they 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 kind of shift around uh, depending on the day. But mm-hmm. I, I still think I still agree with my my former ranking of Twilight Princess three, Majora's Mask four, Ocarina of Time number five, uh, just because I do really really enjoy Twilight Princess and it was a ton of fun to talk about it last year and get back into that game and, and remember how much I liked it. But uh, I think I would probably put Tears of the Kingdom right in between Twilight Princess and Majora's Mask or maybe a tie for with one of them. It's it's hard to say because I'm like you. Yeah. I've mostly just done the side quests and silly things. I've still put like 80 hours into that game, I but I haven't done yeah. any uh, too much of the main stuff. I think I'll, I'll, I'll maybe... I think we're... It would probably land, if I were to guess in a year from now, would be just below Wind Waker uh, at number three, maybe just above Twilight Princess. But uh, it's Zelda. Everything other than Skyward Sword, in my opinion, is is an unbelievable masterpiece. So it's, it's really, really tough to rank them. Yeah, I agree too. And like you said before, this list would change depending on when you're asking me. And right now I have a copy of Majora's Mask staring at me in the face. And I love this game so much and I don't want to think about anything else when I'm playing it. So it really just depends on the day, Mike. This is, of course, a very beloved game. Lots of fans around the world love it. I'm sure lots of people are listening to this podcast already upset with us that Ocarina of Time (laughs) is so low in our top five or six favorite 3D Zelda games of all time. But I can see that we have a caller wanting to join the show today to talk about their love of Majora's Mask on the N64. So why don't you welcome our first guest of the show? All right, Neil, joining us today is our first guest of the show, Kira at Toonie Twirls. We're really excited to have her back on the show. Last time she was on was for the Eternal Darkness episode, so go back and check that out for sure. And we're really excited to have her again to talk about some Zelda and go back to uh, to what she's best at for sure. Love Zelda, uh, of course. And uh, Kira, we got to ask you, our first question of the day would be, what is your favorite mask in Majora's Mask? has to be the bunny hood the one that makes you go really fast because it's, it's just it's very practical and it's cute at the same time so i 100 percent agree with that that's a great <laughs> it's also a great strategy if you have the bunny mask and you play the song of it's halftime that slows everything down right so now you can really get through the game fast that's good one time yeah, is you, of the you, can, you can achieve yeah. a lot with that one yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that tactic for sure for sure there are so many masks in this game like it's so hard to pick too because you get i think it's 20 from side missions and then four from the main uh the main dungeons mm-hmm. so most of the masks in the game are completely optional too, but I don't remember 
I don't. I know that the you get the Deku mask, you get the uh, you get the Goron and the and the Zoran mask, and then the uh, stone not the stone mask. The last I forget, I'm forgetting already now. There's so many in this game, but the bunny mask is great. Um, anything you can do to manipulate speed and time in this game is is clutch. Yeah, it's definitely needed. Absolutely yeah. needed, and yeah, we're really excited to have you on to talk about this. Great game, Majora's Mask. For for us, we both played it in different ways. Neil got it a bit later uh, in life. I got it uh, relatively early. I actually played it on the GameCube version for the the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition. That's how I learned about this game. So for you, Kira, wh- uh, how did you first uh, encounter Majora's Mask? I believe I was 10 at the time, and I got it um, on the virtual console on my Wii, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I had played quite a few Zelda games at that point, like Wind Waker, Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, all the classics. Okay. Nice. So yeah, I was I was getting into like I wouldn't say Majora's Mask is niche exactly, but I was getting into like the more like slightly obscure ones. I suppose not really, but you, you get what I'm trying to yeah. say. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, but I, I remember um, I was instantly very confused because I couldn't figure out how the Deku flowers worked. Because <laughs> I, I don't know, why. apparently I was stupid. But then once I figured that part out, I wasn't like sold on it immediately. I think I found it very like difficult and confusing at that age. Honestly. As like I found it difficult and confusing at my age now, like playing it again. Yeah, I see that. I suppose like the intro I found confusing, but like e- even now, like once you get like further into the game, it's I think it's one of the hot, more more difficult Zelda games, I would say. But it's a very good one. I, I would say that now. It's really it's really growing on me over time. I I would maybe argue that it is the hardest Zelda game, like maybe the most difficult. What do, what do you think, Neil? Well, not with Zelda 2, but if you ignore yeah, that yeah, one, it's, it's quite different. <laughs> that's even more obscure. Yeah, yeah, not... I do love Zelda 2, but... <laughs> it's good. It's more. It's like the RPG of the Zelda games, for sure. This one is more is more difficult because the entire game, from start to finish, is a puzzle. And like most other Zelda games, you can kind of chill at some point. Like in Wind Waker, you can sail around and maybe go to an island in the distance. It feels like you're almost Zelda on vacation. Uh, <laughs> Breath of the Wild yeah. is like Link out for a hike. Like, like there, there, you can basically camp and hunt if you want to in that game. But in Majora's Mask, that clock is always ticking. Like there's there's all of these villagers' ta- time schedules that you need to keep up with in order to finish specific side quests. The moon is going to crash down on the, on, the, on the town if you don't finish everything up in a few days. You're constantly trying to work with everything that's happening uh, in sequence to beat the game. And then on top of all of that, you need to use your ocarina um, to uh, rewind time, to fast forward time, to speed up and slow down time. And then on top of all of that, you've got your standard Zelda dungeons to go through. There's only four in this game, so it is light on that. But uh, in, in terms of all that, I would say that Majora's Mask is the hardest game just in terms of puzzle solving and uh, and completing it without any help. Like it, it's easy or easier if you have now the internet. But Mike and I were talking before you came on, Kira, about playing this game in an analog time when all we had was magazines and uh, schoolyard talk. Because <laughs> I played this game as an adult. I was 21 years old. So I had YouTube. I had GameFAQs. I had IGN. So I was using all of those things uh, to help me get through it. But when you first play this game in 2000, there's nothing really explaining to you how to use or how the 3D cycle concept works. Is that something that you understood quickly or did that say, take some getting used to as well? I think I had, like, I know going into it, there was a three-day cycle, so yeah. that's all I knew about it, sort of things. I, I understood that concept, but even then, like, a lot of things are quite obscure, like, I suppose you get with a lot of, like, games of that era where, like, you kind of just have to know to do a certain task to make this happen, to make progress, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But it's like, it's not really, like, it, it doesn't hold your hand. So I suppose, like, from that aspect, it is challenging, but... 
it's interesting in that way that they don't hold your hand and very specifically don't. And, and not saying that Zelda games do hold your hand other than maybe like Skyward Sword, which has like an hour and a half tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> but but like like Ocarina, I, I don't really remember. I remember, I guess, like learning the basics of like what to do in a Zelda game, like in a 3D Zelda game. But I, I didn't find it the, uh, held my hand really like and yeah it, it struck a good balance I thought it did absolutely yeah it, it was like hey this is Zelda you you know like this kind of gameplay we're in 3D now like so here's some small tasks to help you figure it out where Majora's Mask really just kind of throws you in and even with like not only does it not teach you about gameplay or anything like that it doesn't really even teach you about the plot. Like, you don't really know about the moon crashing. They never, they don't say that until I think the second day when they start actually like talking about the moon. One of my favorite parts about the whole game is when the townspeople and or, like the mayor is um, is arguing with everybody about the moon. And they're like, oh, the moon's not crashing. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> and just like playing that again today. I'm like, oh my God. Like, this is like all conspiracy the conspiracy theories. theories. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's aged very well. Like, I used to think like as a kid, it was, this is unrealistic because people would be panicking more. And they wouldn't like, but it's like going back to it, it's actually really realistic to how people act yeah. in these sorts of circumstances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that one hit really hard playing it again yeah. this week. <laughs> but that's what's so great about this game is that with the plot, like you said, Mike, like the game just kind of starts out it starts out right off right off the bat from ocarina of time i think it's two months later link is young again he's having like an existential crisis because he's gone through all of <laughs> these 10 he's only 10 yeah but he's been through all he's been through way too much that a 10 year old should go through and really that does have an impact like it's cool to see this kind of fantastic or this fantasy hero going through ptsd which like in everything else you never see that yeah. especially not in video games at this time mm -hmm. And then the whole thing gets into a metaphor for or all of these random theories, like is Link dead in this one? Like is the like there's the five stages of grief that we're gonna probably talk about a little bit later. Like there's so little that this game gives you in terms of like is this whole thing just a dream? Um, is it like an alternate dimension? Did this split the Zelda timeline? Um, there's so much given to us in this game through the characters, dialogue, and and a few cutscenes here and there. But also like this game tells us so much and tells us so little at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, like, and there's, like, this random giant moon that we've never heard of before, and there's this mask, like, this mask salesman that I think is briefly in Ocarina of Time, and then he has a little bit of a bigger role, obviously, in this game, with the mask being stolen by Skull Kid, and then the whole game uh, carries on from there. But yeah, one thing that I did want to want to talk about is, in that opening cutscene, too, or the very opening of the game, is it, it's the exact opposite of Ocarina of Time, and that Ocarina of Time is this kind of bright game, very adventurous, very... It, it feels like everything happens, it's all very sunny and warm and mm -hmm. bright and fun. Ocarina of Time, or Majora's Mask, is dark, brooding, and, and, and in some cases, in many cases, scary. Yes! Well, Ocarina had its moments, but... Yeah, yeah Ocarina does have moments, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, this whole game is... It's creepy. Like, it's got almost like a Tim Burton kind of Alice in Wonderland. Like, nothing is ever really fully happy like even the happy characters in the game have the kind of foreboding sense that they know they're gonna die over them so did this game freak you out are there any scary moments that you can think of just the whole game <laughs> <laughs> but there's this one moment in particular i think um oh, what's the uh, it's the last area of the game the, around the stone tower a corner canyon i think it is where it's um you go into um this house and at the bottom of um, the stairs, there's like a cupboard there, and it opens up, and there's like some guy's been turned into a half Gibdo who just comes out like, yeah, 
And you're like, what? Hopefully, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> the whole game, I mean, yeah, the whole game is scary. The whole game is, is foreboding in the dark. And Neil put it well, it, it never really gets better, it feels like. No. <laughs> it's just like life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, right? kind of. <laughs> it only gets worse. No, it's yeah. it's it's got this, like, depressing is not the right word because it's not because there are so many, like, great little stories and little storylines going on amongst the townspeople. But it's like, yeah, just foreboding, I guess, is the word where you... It's, it's not like... It's not, like, edgy with it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, like, all this terrible stuff is happening for, like, no good reason. It feels, like, grounded and realistic. Like, there's still hope at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, motivated to help these people, you know? That is a big thing, is is the characterizations in this game. And, and how much effort Nintendo put into creating these really f- almost three-dimensional characters, really, in a, such a short short time span because you get to go back to a lot of these guys over and over again because of the, mm-hmm. the, the gameplay mechanic of, of Majora's Mask where you're constantly repeating yourself. And I thought that was a really ingenious way to to create uh, interesting stories when you're already limiting yourself time-wise. Because in, in most games, when you don't have a time limit, a lot of NPCs are relatively two-dimensional. They're They're there to help you get to the next thing. And I found that in Majora's Mask, and I'm not sure about you, Kira, if you feel the same way, but I found that uh, the characterization really made me want to help them like, and want to complete all these side quests. And I didn't feel like they were just like a-, a plot point for me to get to the next stage. It was just like, oh, this is actually the story. This is Majora's Mask is is through these side quests. I, I 100% agree with that, yeah. It's quite it's, it's unique as well, because like, the vast majority of these interactions are optional. Yes. So mm-hmm. I suppose like they, they I suppose they got into their heads, like, all oh, this is optional, so like we can't just like make the side quests like straightforward. Like This will be the main focus of the game, so that's why they, I think they really went with the strong characterization. And they're like heavy, heavy side quests too. Like, like yeah. the, the one that I think of them uh, is like the Star-Crossed Lovers um, ones, where mm-hmm. they keep, they can't actually meet up with each other before they die, or there's the... Um, the the I forget their I forget everyone's names in this, but it's like the the older sister comforting the younger one. Romani and I don't know, remember the one. That's on the farm with the aliens. Yes, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's very yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like all those, I'm like, oh man, like because I I think back to Wind Waker always, of course, but yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like you think back to Wind Waker for whenever I think of Zelda and a lot of side quests and stuff, and and all those or most of those side quests are incredibly goofy. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of fun and bright and colorful. And there, there's, of course, some heartfelt moments, but it doesn't feel like it has the same weight as Majora's Mask. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a knock against Wind Waker at all. Yeah. It depends on like what you're in the mood for, I suppose. Exactly. And Majora's Mask is like, look, like this is a bit of a heavier story. It's a bit more mature. You've, you've, you've had your Ocarina of Time. You've had your standard hero's quest. Now we're going to take you somewhere else where it doesn't feel like you can actually help this world at points. You're like, wow, this is all inevitable i'm doomed (laughs) (laughs) and that's kind of the whole point of the game is that at least the theory is the whole majora's mask running theory is that the whole game is supposed to it's a metaphor for this five stages of grief specifically the grief of knowing that you're going to die like the game it it is a metaphor but it's also like pretty heavy-handed where the town or the um the world is called termina which is just terminal basically was the idea so everyone know that they're dying so the first town the clock town area is meant to represent denial because the residents like you mentioned before are all in denial that the world is going to end Uh, there's people in clock town that uh, doubt that anything bad is going to happen that's why they're still planning for the carnival which is basically happening the night that the world ends Um, the Deku (laughs) of Woodfall represent anger because they of course show the anger towards their princess which has gone missing and they lash out against the um, the gang of monkeys (laughs) yeah the monkeys they they, they put the this really freaked me out as a child Mm. like they, they put the monkey on like a rope and dangle it into a 
really hot yeah. pot and like okay yeah they're gonna boil him to death <laughs> yeah i know it's, it's horrifying they're like get the bring the pot yeah. in i'm like oh my god like this is this is terrible yeah and then there's bargaining which is darmani uh bargaining uh for link to find a way to bring him back to life uh there's nothing he can do to save him from from snowhead there's the great bay singer he's depressed and hopeless after his uh the eggs have been stolen uh, which is depression, uh, the, um, I guess that's the fourth stage. And then finally, the uh, the last stage is acceptance, um, which is the Tower Temple of uh, Icona, which um, climbing, the, it's, I, I don't know how, that, it's meant to represent enlightenment or something. There's a- I think it's like this character's there that like, they willingly die, so that, yeah. that they're accepting their demise sort of thing. There we go. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not okay. smart enough to understand all these metaphors. <laughs> Yeah. Did you get this from a uh, game theory? I, I think I did. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I, used to, I, used to, I used to watch MapPow when I was younger. Oh, cool. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like articles and videos about this. Um, but basically the whole thing is that Link is dead and the whole the whole game is meant to represent death. Um, but even the side quests uh, are meant to be metaphors for real world problems. Like I'm not sure if this is just digging into things that aren't really there. But like even the one about um, like most of it's got to do with love and like not being able to get to someone while they're dying or whatever. Uh, but even the one about the two girls on the farm, like the uh, the aliens coming at night and them not to be able not them not being able to tell the adults about it because they're scared of what the adults might think of them and how they find comfort in each other and they want someone to protect them at night. It's got to do with child abuse, apparently. Like that's a metaphor for like kids that are scared to go to adults because they're being abused by a parent. Like, that's the me- that's a theory that I have heard. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that one, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah, like literally every single side quest in this game, I think, has some kind of a connection to a real world uh, tragedy in in some way. Um, and again, that might just be people digging because the game itself is very dark, but it's plausible. Well, it's it's. I love reading in Zelda games too much. It's it's, it's yeah. great fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This is probably it's... the best one to read into too much as well. Like there there is just so much so much stuff here. There's I. I don't know if this one has the most side quests, but it definitely feels like it has the most side quests. Yeah, the the, the main focus. Is, I mean, I think Breath of the Wild and Tears must have like. True. Yes. But I think yeah, like true. I mean, not to like this them, but I feel like these ones do have more. What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I suppose we were seeing with the characterization and that more so. impactful. Side yeah, quests. more impactful. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my I would say like, when we talk about themes of the game. My personal interpretation has always been like because at the very start of the game, it draws attention to how Link is looking for Navi, who's obviously is very mm-hmm. from the last game because she's went missing. So I, based on the fact that it's drawing attention to her, I thought the story was about him getting over her possible death or disappearance. Mm. And that's hence why he goes through the five stages of grief. He's accepting that she's like no longer there. Hmm. But again, that's, that's just me though. So no, I, I like that. Maybe. That's that's a good. That's also like a good, good way to look at it. I think. I mean, I think the true meaning for the majoras is really just it's up to the person playing it, right? To interpret it whatever they want, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, love, I love that. It's, it's nice that they leave it up to to um, the the player rather than just spoon feeding you stuff. Exactly. That's yeah. I, I I and I'm a huge proponent of that. I I hate when things are spoon fed to me, being like, "This is the deeper meaning. Do you get it now?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so deep and cool, you guys. Yeah, look trust how, me. Look like how deep we are. I took philosophy in school. <laughs> <laughs> I took the first semester of philosophy. Yeah, but uh, of course, uh, like you mentioned, Kira Navi is not in this game. Uh, in, instead, we have Tattle. Who is uh, Link's companion? And and I don't like her, but it's fine. Yeah, it's, and mm-hmm. and Tattle is uh, is is an okay uh, companion, but yeah, I did want to get your your take on on Tattle, and and you're saying that you don't like her. Yeah, she's kind of like she she reminds me of Minna, but if Minna never had like a character arc, she's kind of just like snarky to Link throughout the whole game, and there isn't really like one moment where like you're like, oh, she's all right. I just feel like she's kind of annoying, and then at the end of the game, she doesn't even like thank him properly. If, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. 
So yeah, I don't think she yeah, fully fun. thanks him. Like, like doesn't just, just something at the end would have been like, yeah. all right. <laughs> Link with a fairy. Like I know that it's very uh, iconic now. Like especially in the N sixty four generation with Navi. And then I wish that they did something different. Like not fairies. I know that they had to reset or reuse assets that the N sixty four already had. So they already had the Navi animations figured mm-hmm. out. So they probably just used that just to keep it simpler. They added a second one. It's Tattle and Tail. Their brothers and sister. Their, their siblings rather. Uh, one of them they get separated. One goes with Skull Kid. And the other one goes with Link. Um, there's really not much like payoff really with Tattle being you get you get you get Tattle. Uh, Skull Kid goes with Tail. It's it's shocking with like how like like how characterized like the side characters are, but Blink's main companion is kind of left behind. That's yeah, kind of yeah, weird. a little bit vanilla. It, it feels it feels very much like a like I don't know if they maybe had Navi at first or something because I have read how they they want to change it up uh, just because of like there was some criticism. I'm just mm-hmm. being, hey, listen, all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is fair. I'm glad they got rid of that. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, don't, I didn't need that for a second game in a row. I didn't mind it in Ocarina, but I just, I don't need it again. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. It would have been nice to, to have done something different. And like for you, so you, you did say that you played Majora's Mask um, later on. Had you played Twilight Princess, which arguably, as we talked about on the Twilight Princess episode, had the best ever companion with Minda. Had you played Twilight Princess before uh, Majora's Mask or did you play it after? I must have played it first, yeah, because I got it with my Wii, so right. then I got, and I bought Majora's Mask later on, so I must have played it, yeah. Right, so yeah, so you were spoiled on, on, <laughs> on Great Companions. Yeah, no, I am. Um, well, I, I do love Minna, but Lion Beck from Final Hourglass is actually my favourite. And oh. also, obviously, I mean, I have to love the King of Red Lions from Wind Waker, because it's Wind Waker. That's but, true, that's yeah, true. Yeah, Lion Beck is, like, he's hilarious, so. <laughs> and he actually has a character arc and gets more fond of Link, unlike Tal, so. It's funny, because, yeah, like, everyone in this game, like you said, does have kind of these character arcs, but his companion doesn't really which is yeah it's 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 it's, it's odd yeah but <laughs> it's it's not huge in the big deal of things I, I feel like i'm maybe making a big song and dance out of it but <laughs> there are so many other character arcs in this game it's okay that the uh, yeah, faceless yeah, fairy doesn't have one yeah <laughs> yeah i mean this there's we're gonna talk later on about some of our our maybe cons of this game and i have a couple but uh but they're they're quite small because this game is really fantastic but uh just going back to the the game itself the plot of course the the game mechanic uh for you Playing this game on the Wii uh, service when you were 10 years old, did you go back to this game later on? Did you play it on 3DS? Did you play it on, on other consoles at all? It's funny because I, I bought the 3DS version when it came out. I didn't really play it that much. But then later on, I got the, um, I got it on GameCube, like you said, that you started with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I actually sat down and played it. Because like, I was doing, like I think it was just during like 2020, where I went through and played like every Zelda game. It's funny because um, I didn't like it, really. But then, like, I don't know, so, like, obviously it hasn't even been that long, but I went back and played it again, and, like, it's very unique in that I think the game is actually, like, really enjoyable on a, on a replay. Yes. Yeah. Because um, what's, what I really liked about this time was, like, I knew what to expect, so I could plan out my three days perfectly, like, when am I going to do this dungeon, like, when am I going to slot in these side quests, mm-hmm. and, from, and I, I just really enjoyed it, I wasn't getting frustrated. So it went like way up my Zelda ranking to some one replay. So <laughs> there you go. I, I, I can see this game definitely being more fun the more you play it. Like mm-hmm. I've played this game, I think twice through now, not a lot, but I played it through once on the N64 and then once again on the 3DS when it came out. And uh, going back to the side quest uh, conversation really quick is I've missed out on so much of this game because I don't think I've played hardly any of the side quests. I've only mainlined it because <laughs> the game lets you do that. It doesn't, you don't have to get all the other masks if you don't want to. The game is harder if you don't get all the other masks. I may have gotten the bunny one and maybe one or two others, um, but I've, I've missed basically 21 or 
19 or whatever of the masks that are out there. So I, I want to go back and play it 100% uh, all the other things because uh, I checked out a Reddit thread from like a year ago. I sent it to Mike and it was which which Zelda game has the best side stories. And uh, this is before Tears of the Kingdom came out, but Majora's Mask wins it, it uh, by a lot. Uh, first place, 3,800 votes for Majora's Mask. The next <laughs> one was Breath of the Wild. Uh, 1,800 votes. So 2,000 votes difference. So clearly there's something about the Majora's Mask side quests they that... They hit hard. If it could beat Breath of the Wild, then it's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I love. I did all the Breath of the Wild side quests and they're all fantastic. So <laughs> there's obviously something about this game uh, and the side quests, but um, I've only ever played the, um, the original N64 version and the 3DS version. And Playing the 3DS version this week, it's it. There's so many nice quality of life improvements. I think just playing it, the, the graphics are obviously improved, and what even the controls I think feel a little bit better than using the um the N64 controller. The ability to save, I think you can save a little bit easier in the uh, 3DS version than on the yeah. N64. Yeah. So that's something. Um, they've definitely done quite a few quality of life things uh, from the, the version from 2015. And also, I, I this is obviously doesn't matter with the game, but I love the box art on the 3DS game. Um, it is really nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah beautiful with the moon like all the characters i've got a poster that i need to get up i have that poster too i have that artwork i have that exact same one i got got it for my birthday i need to get it nice oh very nice (laughs) i have it in my parents basement it's cool because uh (laughs) i i think i'm looking at it now and i'm pretty sure the it's basically a copy of the um the promotional art for the game and i'm not sure if the moon was supposed to be a spoiler or like a um a a surprise like what the moon looks like with its creepy ass face (laughs) um because in the promotional art i don't know if you guys have seen it but the moon is just a standard yellow moon like it doesn't have a face on it i've never actually realized that but like now that you say it's like i'm picturing it's like yeah that makes sense but in in the 3ds one i suppose they felt by that point like, yeah, at that point it was yeah. 15 yeah. years, guys. You, yeah, yeah. Like you had time to catch up. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's a Smash Bros. phase, for God's sakes. But yeah, yeah. The, it's really cool if you go... I, like The poster that I have in my... I'm pretty sure the moon is just a standard yellow moon. So that was supposed to be, I guess, some kind of a, a surprise. This kid, this moon with a face on it for some strange reason. <laughs> One of the creepiest characters in all of video games, though. Gotta be the moon from Majora's Mask. Yeah, I just I just had like a random memory where like yeah. I was playing the game like at age 10, and like my, my friend came around... And she was like, oh, what, what, what are you playing sort of thing? So I was like, oh, yeah, it's like this Zelda game. I, I, was, I was very bad at explaining it. But I was like, yeah, there's like the moon's going to crash down in three days and kill us. And like, <laughs> I, panned, I panned the camera up so she could look at it. And like, I've never seen anyone look more scared in their life. <laughs> she was like, okay, you know. <laughs> it's funny because I'm thinking about it now. But the, the Majora's Mask stage, that's in, is it Melee? Yeah, that's in Melee. Yeah. It's one of the few Zelda games that's spoiled in the stage like they, they basically show the oh, that's they show the ending of, of Majora's Mask they show the giants coming to stop the moon from crashing into the, the stage that's right so that's, yeah, how, the, that's, that's how the game ends too spoiler alert I guess if you haven't played it but that that's like the final <laughs> scene in Majora's Mask are the, the, the four giants that you've summoned to, to stop the moon and it's it's right there so that it's, it's not something as obvious as like killing Bowser or Gandalf no that is, um, that is interesting yeah I, yeah. I, I kind of forgot, I forgot about that that's that Great Bay Offensive that's uh, that's right that game with that the turtle get that turtle yeah. out of the game <laughs> oh. yeah that was my that was my favorite stage as a kid I, I also <laughs> loved it because of Majora's Mask but as an adult now when I play it I hate that stage because I always die and I just fall into the water <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> going, going back to Smash Bros as an adult is weird because it's like yeah, all the things that you used to like and it's now really gimmicky mm-hmm. and annoying. Yeah. Just give me normal stages, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now we're very vanilla now. I just want like the basic ones so that's I can right. focus. I just want to jump on Tingle and pop the balloon. That's all I do on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent hours just popping the balloon. Like, what? I didn't even know who he was, I don't think. True. But, oh, no, I, I, seen it, I seen him in Wind Waker, but he looked a bit different, so I don't think I actually realized yeah. it was him. Good old Tingle. Good old Tingle. 
I'm glad that you uh, you mentioned uh, one of the core things that I do want to talk about in this game, which is there is no Ganondorf. There's no Gandorf. There's no Hyrule. There's, there's no Zelda. No Zelda, except for a tiny little sliver of Zelda. A tiny yeah, cutscene. Yeah. I did see like I don't. I didn't. I never verified this, so like it's probably not true. But I saw someone claiming somewhere that they plan to have Gandorf in the game, but like as a fishing whole owner sort of thing. Like you could you could do a fishing mini game with him, but it's not there. But that would have been great. I would have loved that. That'd have been awesome. <laughs> I'm just picturing like Thanos, yeah, with, like, Gandorf, like like retired. retired yeah. <laughs> he's he's done. He's done trying to conquer. He's yeah. like, all right, like I'm just here to fish. Like let's go, Link. <laughs> yeah, I'm just chilling out. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. I I. I like to I like to think that's real for sure, but I, yeah, I, I believe it just because it would be beautiful. Yeah, it would. So. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if it's true or not. But that is just kind of like leads to my my question here of of what did you think of this? Obviously, playing these other Zelda games, and you you play uh, a game that doesn't really involve these core Zelda components. Like, what what were your thoughts about that? I mean, just just for um, a couple of games, I think it's really cool and refreshing. Mm. It's like something different because obviously, like you can't just do the same thing over and over. So. And like, I suppose rather than just like altering the entire gameplay, just giving us like a really like interesting, unique story is um, it's, it keeps everyone happy. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it it adds some uniqueness to it for sure because mm. of that. I mean, uh, I was, I was going to comment too when you say you can't do the same thing over and over again. I assure you, oh, many yeah. publishers <laughs> <laughs> try. Well, I get that, but like in an ideal world, we wouldn't want that. <laughs> and, and I mean, I think that's where Zelda the series thrives is that they are always pushing the boundaries. Like I was talking earlier on uh, in this episode about the development of this game and just really the genius behind this. Like they had no time to create this game. Uh, and they were their backs were against the wall, and then they they come out with something as uh, amazing as Majora's Mask and, and and unique, and create this really small world that you have to explore and understand through time. And like the time is such a an interesting thing that we don't really see too often. We don't really see timed games as much anymore. Like Pikmin One is always the one that Neil talks about, of course. Yeah, but, these, uh, both of these games came out around the same time, though, like 22 years ago with Majora's Mask and Pikmin, and then Nintendo went away from it, because I think the top criticism, I think, of Majora's Mask is either A, not enough dungeons, or B, the time limit is annoying. And just quickly jumping back to the lack of Ganon mm-hmm. and Zelda here, I think that if the plot of Majora's Mask was bad, people would say it needs to have Ganon and Zelda in it. But since that the game, no one ever says that the story of Majora's Mask is, nope. is crap. So like, if, if it was, I think we would probably be getting that. But since it's so good... Like no one, no one's gonna say a moon crashing into a planet is a bad idea for a plot. Like that's always gonna be cool. <laughs> and Skull Kid being yeah. possessed by this this cursed mask that looks like a corrupted heart, like this creep, creepy eyes. Everything is, everything works so well. It's so dark that like no one cares that Ganon isn't here in this game. Obviously, it was nice to have him back in Wind Waker a few years later. Um, but the best Gandalf. Uh, if you might be back on, I'm gonna talk about a length about him. Just just now. Yeah, no, Wind Waker. Yeah, Wind Waker Ganondorf is fantastic. <laughs> Oh, such a great yes. character. I rewrote him for college. <laughs> but Skull Kid is a but Majora's fighting with the Majora's Mask character as a final boss. It's so cool. Like it's awesome. So not really missed in this game. Mm. So, like Neil said, there are four temples in this game. There's Woodfall, there's Snowhead, there's Great Bay, there's Stone Tower, and then we get the final boss fight. So mm-hmm. we we only have five 
bosses in this game. We have Odolo Odolua. I can never say their name. <laughs> can you say any of them? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the weird names. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a jungle. He's like a jungle warrior kind of guy. Mm-hmm. We got Goat, which is that's an easy one. Just looks like a mechanical goat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the one where you have to kind of transform into a Goron using the Goron mask to, to defeat it. Uh, in the Great Bay Temple, we have Gorg, uh, which is for me, I do have a, a fun story about this one. Uh, this is probably the toughest boss for me when I was a kid. Um, and I didn't know about putting the Zora mask on or anything. I didn't, I didn't know anything when I was playing this game, right? So <laughs> I was just going into a blind. I would always die immediately to this boss because I didn't know about shooting the arrows into the water as well. Like it just was an instant death for me. I'm not sure how you guys fared on against Georg. I was I was like older, so like it's not really like fair, fair comparison. But if, if I'd been a kid, honestly, I probably would have been. I couldn't even get past like the first boss, yeah. so <laughs> so I would have definitely struggled with the okay, third one. Yeah, I remember I remember struggling with the Georg, the masked fish. I like how all the bosses have masks on. That's a cool little detail there. Um, yes. I just remember thinking that this mm. boss fight felt like something out of a Jaws film because like it feels like you're fighting a shark that's coming at you. Like you're just on this floating platform. Uh, as soon as you're forced to go in the water, I figured, I, like, again, I was 21, so, like, I kind of figured, okay, got to put on the mask that helps me swim. Uh, I do remember this boss fight being incredibly long. Um, for There's a lot of stages in it, and, it, of course, it's a uh, swimming boss fight so like it's just water levels yeah it's just hard and on the n64 <laughs> everyone's favorite. exactly everyone's favorite uh with the controls and everything like it just took a long time to take the boss down um uh, it felt like a direct response though to um the ocarina of time uh water temple boss which for me was one of the weakest bosses in ocarina of time and i'm not sure if this boss was a direct response to that where i don't know if you guys remember but basically the water temple boss in ocarina of time is kind of like this ghost just a like a flubber like water kind of thing mm. yes. and it wasn't very fun and it could also be manipulated really easily because i don't think that boss could touch the corners so you could just shoot arrows yeah, it's, at it it's pretty boring yeah it, it's not a very sat- I, rep- I replayed it recently yeah, yeah exactly it's not a very satisfying <laughs> boss fight this one it, it gets you in there like no no you're getting in the water with this thing <laughs> yeah. Um, it felt, it's, yeah. It's, yeah it's complicated but it is quite fun once you get the hang of it yes yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad that Mike got. Uh, it's more involved, it so that's always yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, that that is. I think that's really a general thing with these bosses that it is more involved. I think all the bosses are honestly just uh, a little bit better than some of the Ocarina ones. I mean, Ocarina still the bosses are fun, but there are mm-hmm. ones like Kira was mentioning how like it gets a little boring. Yeah, it's like I think the bosses would probably be one of the weakest things about the game, in my opinion. They're still fun, but like Majora's Mask, yeah. I remember um, I did get annoyed with the last boss. I don't remember what it's called. Twin Mold. Yeah. Twin Mold, there you go. It's like, uh, basically, you, you use the giant's mask to get really huge, then you start like slashing them and stuff. But I remember um, that relies on magic power. Yes. Which um, I had really, like, I was I was stupid when I played this. I, I had like really like low magic, so that I ran out instantly. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that was rubbish. So I had to like, <laughs> I had to go like, um, well, you can get you can get this this special item that lets you like have unlimited power, uh, limited unlimited magic even. So once once I had that, I was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> the item that you're talking about is the Chateau Romani milk that uh, you that you get, and that basically just replenishes your magic uh, all the time. So that is the way to do it. Uh, I also did exactly what you did, Kira. I went in, got, I was smart enough to figure out the giant's mask, and then that was it. And then I had to wait a week, go back to the library, and and look up the Zelda Majora's Mask guide, and figure out I needed the Chateau Romani to uh, to have and uh, and replenish my magic. Yeah, it's a really fun boss once you sort that. Yes, out. and it's cool. It's a really cool looking boss. It's like a scorpion looking yeah, yeah. kind yeah. of thing. I don't know what, but they look cool. Yeah. <laughs> so Twinmold is my favorite boss in the game. Not counting the final boss, I love fighting Majora's Mask. But in terms of the regular temple bosses, Twinmold is my favorite. He reminds me of. 
one of the boss fights. I don't know if you guys have both played Shadow of the Colossus. It's one of my favorite PlayStation games. It's basically Zelda, but just the boss fights. Yeah. There's a boss <laughs> in that game similar to this one. I love any kind of flying giant dragon worm thing. I don't know how to describe it. Exactly. I don't know how to describe it. Kind of like this giant centipede that you're just firing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really, and you're in a desert. It's just so cool. Uh, and then, like you said before, you get to put on the giant's mask and basically turns into like a Power Rangers Megazord fight. Like it, it's so cool. It's and then they're like fighting like wrestlers and you're just beating them up. Like it's really, really, it's a really <laughs> cool boss fight. Really different than a lot of the other bosses and also boar um, or goat rather, like the giant goat slash boar mechanical thing. That boss fight was probably the toughest one that I found in the game, just because it didn't tell you what to do at all and it was really different from other Zelda fights where it's just this mechanical pig. Kind of, or, I always thought it was a goat because it was called goat. <laughs> I know. I always thought it was a boar. I thought it was pronounced got, but obviously not. That's kind of stupid, actually, not to say out loud. <laughs> what is up with Zelda boss names? Like, they're always, like, they, they flash up on screen, and if it's not Bongo Bongo, I don't know who it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a bunch of random letters that they punched in. There you go. That's the name. <laughs> but I remember that one taking me forever to play, even as a 21-year-old, like, playing it as an adult. I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Like, is this just a race? Like... Yeah, it's not like a natural inclination to start like rolling towards a boss, I suppose. Yeah, taking it head on, basically. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very different. It's fun though. Yeah, definitely. The the first boss, the one that you fight as a Deku, the masked swordsman that might call them. Very generic, I found. Like that was that that, that just kind of felt like a, an Ocarina of Time kind of sure. B side boss almost. Yeah. I do like how you can approach it from various ways, like there's not like one way to kill him. Sure. Like you can do different I think they they change this in the three D S one, which I don't approve of, but yeah. in the original, like you can take him down in different ways. Mm. So it's really a to you so it, it's still pretty easy and basic but i like that yeah for me sword fighting a boss after playing wind waker like sword fighting you can't do it again on n64 because wind waker just did it so hmm. perfectly yes but then that brings us to the final boss mike and that was the fighting majora's mask could you want to tell us about that one? Oh, i mean it's i'll, I'll let kira t- uh, tell us about oh, that because sure. uh, i i love this this boss but uh, what do you think about fighting the three incarnations about uh, of uh of majora's mask see i've never done it like as just Link, because I've always collected all of the masks, so I just have like the fierce deity one. Mm, nice. So it's kind of hard to like, it's kinda, it's kind of hard to like review it, like because it gets quite easy it's if easy. you've got the fierce deity's mask. Yeah, I wonder. It's it's difficult because like, I I want to do like the actual boss fight like as normal Link, but at the same time like, I want to do the side quests. I per- to get get all the masks. So. Yeah, I personally did it like you. I I'm a side quest person, so I I would go through and get as many masks as I could. And I had the fierce deity one when I played again on on 3ds. But Neil, I, like you were saying, you completely just did the mainline stories. You you just skipped over all the side quests. I don't know what people were talking about when they're saying fierce deity mask. What's that? I just went in and <laughs> fought, right. I went in and fought him on my own because I didn't know that there was this all powerful mask that turns you into Super Saiyan Link. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's it's by far one of the coolest final boss fights in a Zelda game for me like uh, the the it's really just one of the incarnations of Majora's Mask that were the most interesting for the most part if I'm remembering correctly the first one he's kind of like a jellyfish sort of thing like he kind of grows these tentacle things and he just yeah it's just the mask floating around yeah just the mask floating around Uh, yeah yeah you you never fight him as Skull Kid I thought that would have been cool was to like maybe first first carnation would have been to separate him from Skull Kid in some way Almost like taking, uh, mm. going back to Thanos again, taking the gauntlet away from Thanos <laughs> almost or something like that. That mm. would have been kind of cool. But um, the the carnation that I... Might be hard doing it in 64 but maybe. it's a really cool concept. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they, I guess they don't want you fighting Skull Kid because he's not, he's meant to be a... Yeah, uh, he's, he's really cute. I don't want to yeah. do that. Yeah, and he's meant to be a corrupted character. He's not meant to be a bad character, really. He just uh, misunderstood. Yeah. He's possessed the entire time, too. He's not supposed to be the bad guy. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not a bad character. No. He also looks kind of... 
he looks less creepy with the mask on. I thought he looked creepy when he took the mask off. <laughs> you know, I agree with that. It's like, what's wrong with his face? Yeah, please put the mask back on. <laughs> yeah, please put the, the, the terrifying mask of death back on. What an insult. <laughs> here's this Here's this paper bag, please. Put this on. <laughs> The the the, gib, the Gibdo mask, the that's the, yeah. like, the mummy one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Put the stone mask on, that'll make him invisible. Oh, so. There you go. <laughs> it's even worse. The creepiest moment in this game though had to have been when you I think it's the second incarnation of Majora's Mask, but it's when it it grows legs and arms and then a head mm. pops out of it. I hate that. Oh my god. That's horrible. It's like there was a body inside yeah. of you this whole time. And then like and then you get the sheer panic of the last phase where like it gets like massive whips and starts like throwing them at you. It almost turns into it's like not... a carnage, like maximum carnage kind of thing mixed with like Venom. Some, yeah, yeah, Venom like a Sam Raimi kind of evil dead scene. Like it, it's horrific kind of like just just like the crackling sound too and like the care the boss music too like with the boss fights which was kind of a con for me was the boss music for all four bosses is the exact same um with this one it's the same boss fight music again but it's kind of distorted and slowed down i don't really know how to describe it yeah i was gonna praise like the um, the music for the final boss specifically because like it's 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 very perfect because like the first part is like very ominous and slow Mm -hmm. but then like the second he grows like his arms and legs and the little head thing it's it's it becomes crazy. Yeah, frantic. Yeah, you can tell it's almost like the mask is starting to panic almost. Like, okay, I need to start to fight. This guy means yeah. business. Like, yeah, it goes through, like, the music goes through the same stages that the mask is going through as it's basically starting to fight for its life. Yeah, that's really cool. But yeah, that that moment of just seeing the mask, because I didn't know that that was, that was kind of a, uh, a surprise for me. It was seeing the mask turn in, in, like, into this kind of floating tentacle thing into, like, a a carnage style venom body like that was so cool and so creepy and awesome to fight against the final i, I can't remember what order it was in but the final one is the one where it grows tentacles right that one was kind of just i think yes. at that point again super underpowered because i had no, nothing to use except <laughs> arrows and bombs so i think that part for me was really just frantically trying to survive and eventually i, I got through it but yeah i've heard it's a really like difficult but like fun boss if you don't have the fierce dating mask so like, i just want to try it one day you know mm-hmm. i recommend it <laughs> but it's entirely like, i just feel like you work so hard for that fierce dating mask I'm like, well, i might as well just use I it i know but... <laughs> yeah i mean i, I guess it's kind of like like even breath of the wild like i for me i didn't fight all the um i didn't fight the other the divine beasts or whatever in breath of the wild i just went straight to, to ganon and i was like let's go <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> you fought him with a leaf yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't stick i'm just poking him with it <laughs> I, I do love what like when uh, these games give you that option though like it's cool that you can like yes you can just run through this and you can try and get to um, uh, get to Majora's Mask and fight it without having the other masks like that I like that that's an option I like that you don't you're not forced to go through all these these side quests if you don't want to but you're not forced to be overpowered I just do it anyway because I'm a coward hey <laughs> <laughs> hey that's that's me in Resident Evil when I play Resident Evil games I stock up on every single thing <laughs> I possibly can and so I can just like throw grenades at whatever boss yeah. is coming because I don't know what's yeah. coming <laughs> so I want to enjoy the boss but at the same time like, I have this super powerful gun I could just shoot the snake down instantly and be done might as exactly. well <laughs> look I've had to deal with Mr. X alright so I'm you know I'm, I'm scared <laughs> I've earned I've earned a break yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah and after that that is uh that is how the the game basically ends that that is the the last fight that you have and and like neil said the giants coming out to stop the moon uh from crashing because this is are you fighting no i can't remember because i haven't gone to this again yet are you fighting majora's mask in the moon yeah, yeah, yeah you're inside the moon yes okay I which, it's it's like this weird grassy field 
And you can go into yes. different mini dungeons to get the first deities mask. I don't get how it works, but it's really cool. All the locales in this game are, are fantastic. Like it is cool that you actually go into the moon. Um, yeah. Obviously, like Great Bay, Snowhead, Woodfall, like the, even the Termina Field, mm-hmm. uh, and a Clock Town. I think uh, obviously we mentioned the villagers and, and the, the the townspeople, but I think Clock Town really is a character in its own because yeah. that town you 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 end up you get there the first time you ever start playing. You're like, I don't know where to go. And who to talk to and i'm a little overwhelmed but then by like the 10th hour of you playing you're like i know every inch of this <laughs> this town yeah. i know who to talk to i know exactly where to go and like you i don't know for me clock town just became that like that other character in the game yeah it feels like a home sort of thing eventually once you get to know everyone yeah, yeah. so because I, 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 I even playing it like when i was little and i didn't get very far i would just run around clock town try to do side quests and like so yeah i, I know like every single part of it if it's, it's really nice to go back to so full of like interesting characters. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very homey for sure, and and it's nice. Like it's nice having because we haven't mentioned this yet, but one of the big ways to really survive this game and and use your maximize your time is the um, uh, I forget what it's called, but like the guidebook basically that you have of uh, of the what, bomber's notebook. Yes, yeah. yes, the yeah. notebook of of showing all what all the different townspeople are doing, what their their patterns are, and. Yeah, I didn't know about that as a kid. Um. <laughs> they make it really difficult to get in the original because you've got to do the same um, quest twice that you have to do for the main quest, and you have to do it again. Yes, it's in the in the, the free. Yeah, they fix it in that one so that you get it like yeah. um, as soon as you turn into normal Link. But in the, for the N64, they make it needlessly difficult to get. So I'm glad they fixed that. Yeah, because as a kid, I would have really, really appreciated that because <laughs> it made the game extremely hard without it. And uh, yeah, I must have been told about it because like it's not really like a natural thing to just do the same thing, but it doesn't really seem necessary, you know. Yeah, that that would definitely be one of my cons. I think that that was fixed in the 3DS version mm-hmm. for sure, and the 3DS version did provide a, a lot of good quality of life improvements but uh but kira for you are there any other cons in this game that you can think of that you would have liked to be improved oh i don't know if this is like unpopular mm. it's like i i think i love like the vast majority of aspects of this game but what does hold it back for me from being like one of the best sellers is the dungeons so the low low dungeon count and the ones that we have aren't the best in my opinion um i actually this is weird i actually like the water dungeon i like the i like the uh, woodfall yep. one but Snowhead and Stone Tower just uh, they they feel a bit they they feel a bit boring to me, a bit long, dragged out. So I don't really, I I kind of drag them back to those. But it's like everything else is so good, but it's just the dungeons for me, really. That's yeah. not. I, I feel like that's not. Uh, like that opinion makes sense. Like I I I agree with that in in some ways because the bosses are really good, the payoffs are good. But I think you're right. There is a bit of it's a bit of a slog in some of those dungeons, and yeah, a lot of repetition. Yeah, especially like the stone tower, like having to like play the ocarina over and over again, that sort of thing. It just yes. feels like clunky. Yeah, clunky. Yeah. I think is probably the right <laughs> word for that. What about you, Neil? Yeah, I was gonna say, like I mentioned before, how I mainline the game, and that only gets me or gets the player four masks, I think, um, and then twenty optional masks. Like they really could have made a few more of those masks non-optional, uh, just to mm-hmm. like make maybe the final boss fight a little better, maybe make maneuvering around the world a little bit easier, like we mentioned before with the bunny mask. Also, like the they they also kind of tied some of the abilities in with songs, like the double time and half time. Maybe that could have just been like a mask but again yeah like only having four dungeons in the game is light considering how much side mission content there is in this but the game was heavily constrained with its uh its shortened development time i'm sure that they would have yeah i get that yeah, as well like you have to remember this game was made in a year so yeah. 
I suppose like, I could have been okay with the four dungeons if like they'd all been like really good, yeah. but two of them are like pretty low on like the overall ranking for yeah. me. So you know, yeah. that's how yeah. it is. But it's, 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 even saying all that, I feel mean because it's like the fact that they were able to get a game out of this quality in a year is amazing. Yeah, so. exactly. It's really, really incredible. And mm. yeah, if, if if the con is going to be that the dungeons weren't that great, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, same. It's honestly like I'll, it's everything else has done yeah. so well. In that length of time, it's fine. It's forgivable. <laughs> <laughs> I will put up with them. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's fine. Like, even uh, Breath of the Wild, that was a big uh, complaint against that one, too, is that there were only technically, what, four? There's only the four Divine Beasts, and then yep. technically there's, like, 300 uh, dungeons, but uh, the shrines, if you will. But the only other thing that I could think of, and I thought that this might have been improved on, and it could have been done in the 3DS version. I understand that they couldn't do it in the N64 version, but I don't need to see an animation every time Link puts a mask on. Like, I would have liked if you could just pick the mask and then it just switches. Like, I don't need to see him scream every time he puts his mask on. You, you, you can skip you can, it. You, you, you skip the I button. know, I don't want to have to do that. That's fair. I suppose they don't need to play it every time. Yeah, like, I don't need it to... It's a it's a crazy animation though. <laughs> oh, I know it's that that's one of the other creepier things too is hearing like the real man screaming every time he puts it on. Yeah, um, but also I remember my my yeah. um my friend lied to me. They told me that like um like oh yeah when they, when they originally made this game they had blood coming out the screen at the same time but they, they took it out because people were too scared. Like that's not true. They didn't have blood in the Zelda game. That seems like yeah, a schoolyard rumor. That kinda. definitely sounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That they they were making that up. <laughs> I mean, I was I was like little though, so I just believed it. <laughs> It was like, whoa, it's so dark. <laughs> but then also another thing that could have been sped up is like every time you need to play your ocarina. Like I don't like I don't know why they need and I get it, like it was novel at the, it was novel in the nineties to be like memorizing your songs on your C pad. Um but like when I want to play the song of time or whatever, like can I just assign that to R and hit R and have it play? Like I don't want to have to hit the yeah. three buttons twice sure. every single time I want to play a song. Like it's 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 it was novel for the time, but like eventually you kinda just want to button map that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like I feel like a lot of a lot of our time played Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask is just re- reciting songs. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of songs to recite. You mentioned animations. I do want to mention one thing for animations, and I have one more con for animations. The creepiest and maybe most unique thing that I've ever seen in a Zelda game or really any other game is the animations of the mask salesman. I don't know if you guys remember oh, yeah. this, but mm-hmm. how it cuts. And how he's like talking and then he just cuts to a different animation like without like, um, well, there is no animation, I should say. It just cuts to a different, he's in a different place on the screen. Uh, And that was always really, really creepy to me. And playing it again this week, I completely Mm. forgot about that. And I was like, wait, is my TV glitching? Oh, no, wait, like that's how he is. Like, oh, like, I don't like that at all. At yeah, there's something not right about the mask salesman. A funny one is when like it cuts and suddenly he's, he's, he's like sat in front of a massive organ that came out of nowhere. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. It kind of reminded me of like a Team Rocket kind of thing almost. Or like, where did you get this piano oh, yeah. from? Like, you know, it just kind of showed up. Yeah, he was he was unfortunately I think uh, a result of the poor development time. They didn't have time to do the animation, like the in between animation. But it's, it's great. Like the, they they used it to their advantage, and it works yeah. exactly. They, they were like, you know what? Yeah. This fits. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole game. Like they they had so many limitations, but they used it to their advantage with the time limit and that sort of thing. Like it's really clever. Yes. Oh. I- incredibly clever i always like to kind of think of him as like if this was an alice in wonderland game which it kind of is is that he's kind of like the cheshire cat and it's like is he even there like it, mm. it's always like is he kind of just a figment and they they kind of play with that where like he he obviously appears in the clock tower when you first come into the town and he he says the classic line you've met with an unfortunate fate haven't you terrible like that, fates that, ter- terrible Please, fate. Sorry, not a, i screwed it up <laughs> you met with a terrible fate sorry that's like the <laughs> quote <laughs> 
screwed it up. Uh, but anyway, like I like how he shows up there, and I think he shows up again a few other times. Like I like I like that he kind of, like in the woods. I think you see him again, and it's the same style of like flicker animation almost. It's like seeing a like a Nightmare Before Christmas film, and they kind of like cut down the frame rate for one character. Yeah, it works really well. It is creepy and off putting, and at first you think the game is broken, um, but then you realize that that that's just how he is, and you can see a little Mario mask on his uh on his in his yeah, bag yeah, too. Yeah, his mm-hmm. Little Mario sixty four mask yeah. on there too. Love a good Easter egg. I I, I that that line <laughs> is just such a well written line too. It, it gives you it's very unsettling. You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? Like it's not like hey, did you die? Like, <laughs> but that's the thing is what is what does he mean by that? Like it's not something to clear like what fate he's referring right. to. Is it being in Terminator at all? Was it about the moon? Like what is it exactly? Is he dead? You know these things. It's it's very like almost like Edgar Allan Poe type. It's like this like very vague, uh, foreboding, terrible thing. Like I don't know. It's I I really like that line. I would uh, if I was a guy who got tattoos of of words, it would be one of those because that's a pretty <laughs> that's a pretty cool one. Yeah, it's not really clear what he means by that. Like, are you? Yeah. Is it because you're in this town that's uh, in in great peril? Is it because you're dead? Is it because you're stuck in this purgatory where you're kind of doomed to reset the same three D psych three D the same three day cycle every three day? Like, there's so many ways that you can interpret that, and it's not entirely clear. I don't really like the display in this game. There is, especially on the N sixty four. My God, they fixed it on the three DS a bit, but there's just a lot of stuff going on in your screen. And I always thought it was a bit too much. I would have, I would have liked this to, to be pared down. I know that there is a lot of stuff going on, like the timer, like like to see uh, where you are in the um, uh, in the universe or in the the timeline. Uh, I like the 3DS one because they just use it as a bar instead of the mm-hmm. kind of half circle that they have at the bottom of the screen, which is it's it's grayed out, but like it's still there. And I don't know for me I, as a as someone who is very fixated on hides a lot and design. I, I just never really liked it in this one, but that's, that's just my, my nitpicky con for sure. Yeah. That's fun. It bothered me too much. I don't no, know. Just I me. guess just, yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was also just like the N64, like there were so many things that were mapped to buttons because the C stick wasn't a stick. It was a, it was four buttons. So yeah, like I'm looking at the N64 one right now and they got the giant clock there at the bottom. Like you had to have that. Like there's no way to get around that, unfortunately. Well, the bar that they did in 3DS is like a way yeah. better way to like showcase it. But I get why they were doing it that way. It is cool to have it like. It's got personality, the, the original one, even if it is like takes it more of the screen. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, like yeah. I, I do like the personality of it, and that it is actually a clock, like a half circle clock, rather than just like a bar. Um, but I think that there was a good um, quality of life improvement on the 3ds one. I mean, the 3ds one, uh, I'm I'm not really remembering it, but like that would be a great opportunity to have everything on your second screen, uh, and use your second screen for all the other information. Like the, um, uh, yeah, it would be. Uh, a good way to use that second screen. We miss yeah. second screens, Neil. Yeah, it's. I know. Yeah, I, I totally do. I need to bring <laughs> it back in some way. But uh, Kira, I did want to ask you one. Well, I think this is one of my last questions of the day. Is that if you're if you're kind of explaining this game to someone who's never played Majora's Mask before, maybe that's probably not their first Zelda game. I don't think I'd recommend this as somebody's first Zelda game. But are there any? Yeah, neither. No. Are there any tips or anything <laughs> that you would give somebody like they're just about to jump into it? Is there anything you'd say like, all right, before you start playing, like make sure you do this. Don't panic might be one, actually. It's like, you do have, like, I know it, it seems quite scary with the time limit, but, like, if you keep a cool head and you plan it and you sort of, like, you know, you should you should be all right. There is enough time to do things if um you use the um reverse song of time to give yourself more time sort of thing. And I'd say just, like, um make sure, like, you explore a lot. You talk to as many people as possible and just enjoy it. Don't rush through it. It's a game best enjoyed with all the side content, I would say. 
Yeah, that's that's don't panic is a really good <laughs> good words. <laughs> it's my general tip for life. You will be fine. Yeah. It's true. General tip for life and a great tip for uh, for Majora's Mask too, because yeah, it is it is quite stress inducing when you you first land into this world and and they don't really give you much information and you see a timer going and you see the the dawn of the second day coming up and you're like what is going on and why can't i leave this town also because i remember <laughs> that was the thing when i first started playing it i was like wait how do i actually leave i don't remember how yeah to do i was that very again. confused yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like 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 there's there's a bunch of little barriers but yeah talking to people that's all you really need to do talking to people getting masks clearly i'm doing life wrong though. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if talking to people in life but talking to people in majora's yeah. mask and it's zelda game it's all right those guys are, yes those guys are quirky and it won't be mean to me yes that's so. right <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i think neil this is probably a good time to to we'll keep here on to read the the back of the case what do you think all right mike sounds good but first victor hit us with that sweet jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Link's all-new epic adventure lands him in the mystical world of Termina, where ever-present clocks count down the hours until a menacing moon falls from the sky above. When his horse and ocarina are stolen by a strange masked figure, Link embarks on an urgent quest to solve the mystery of the moon, save the world from destruction, and find his way back to the peaceful land of Hyrule. Link transforms before your eyes. Over 20 magical masks given Link powers and abilities he's never had before. Watch him transform into a hapless Deku child, a mighty, mighty Goron hero, and a legendary Zora guitarist. Race against time, characters, and events flow with the hours of the day. Set your own schedule and even alter time itself in a race to stop the moon and save the world. Panoramic environments, powered up action battles, fully interactive characters and events, experience gorgeous rendered landscapes, swarms of attacking enemies, and a deep engrossing world of wonders with the power of the N64 expansion pack. I like how they mention uh, helping save this land from destruction and help Link find his way back to Hyrule. Yeah. Like, that, that is the end of the game. Spoilers. Like, he does help this this world who they're very happy. They helped him. He kind of goes back and, like, nothing's better for him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... It's sad note to end on because we never see this Link again. And he just, like, rides off and it's like, yeah, oh, well... Yeah. No one no one thanks him. It's, it's what makes me depressed. But that was actually a really good... um back of the case i like that they, they really sold the game to me i was like I'm just listening to that i was like i need to play that again <laughs> but that's the whole tragedy of of link from ocarina of time is that it was it all happened in an alternate reality so no one actually knows what he did yeah it's really mm -hmm. it's really sad poor link i saw like a this is maybe it's a bit off topic but i saw like a comic someone did like a fan one where like he meets wind waker link who gets to tell him like oh like everyone loves you in my time where you're like a legend sort of thing and that was really yeah. sweet but he Aww. never gets that like Aww. this child link that we follow like no one knows he's a hero oh that's sad <laughs> <laughs> on that Poor note link. Hey. <laughs> done so much. <laughs> but yeah I, I, fantastic yeah. game Highly recommend it. Like I, like you said, Neil uh, and Kira agreed. Probably not best to play this game first. Uh, for your Zelda games, I would I would play it definitely later on after you've gotten some experience. De definitely good to play Ocarina first too. Yeah, definitely play Ocarina because um, I feel like this game does yeah. sort of expect you to have it feels like it the difficulty continues on from Ocarina. Yes. Hence why it's like mm -hmm. one of the more difficult Zelda games. Certainly a direct sequel and and really like you said, yeah, expects you to to know what's going on already and know how to play 3D Zeldas, which I think is great. Like, like I I think that's a good way to do it. And 
I unfortunately did not play Ocarina before I played Majora's Mask, but oh. uh, it's okay. I, I played it later, and then I realized, I'm like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, with that, Kira, is there anything else you'd like to say about Majora's Mask before we let you go for the day? Yeah, it's a fantastic game. So it's funny because, like, again, like I said, I didn't like it at first, but now it's really up there as one of the, the top Zeldas. So, well, not quite, but it's up there. It's up there. It can't yeah. quite reach Great Windmaker, game. but yeah, sometimes you need that. Sometimes it's just about the timing of when you play a game that matters That matters most. That's true, yeah. You go back to some games where like I wasn't quite ready to appreciate them at the time, and like I play them now and like, I'm able to like, appreciate them more. Or Some games just mean more to you, depending on when, like if you happen to be going through stuff in your life, mm-hmm. at least for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it means more to you. Oh, I think that I think that's everyone for sure. With yeah. Really, any media, uh, and just like yeah, when you played it, if you can remember exactly where you were when you played it. Majora's Mask is a really tough one though, because I think you you were nailing it just throughout this whole episode that it it, it is difficult to to really get into at the beginning and then once you do you're hooked and and you're really wanting to do all these different quests and side quests and, and do everything that the game has to offer but it's it's tough if you just sit down and you start playing it and you can i'm mean, especially nowadays man like i'm guilty of it too like i'll i'll give up on a game pretty easily sometimes i'll be like you know what i'm not gonna play this right now i'm just gonna go back to playing i don't know the, the playing a Super Mario World on on the Nintendo online service for the hundredth time or something like that, right? Because it is <laughs> nice to have that familiarity. But Majora's Mask is the opposite of familiarity. It throws you into this just like dark, foreboding world it's, that really yeah. gives you does not pull any punches and it gives you nothing. And uh, but you get rewarded extremely well throughout uh, if you if you stick with it. It's really funny as well because like I took a whole play for for me to like be like, wow, this is I see, I see the appeal because it's like. It's only because it was a Zelda game that I replayed it because I, I like to replay Zeldas like a lot to like adjust my ranking and that sort of thing. If it hadn't been for that, then I might have just like not liked it for eternity. But here we are. It's a Zelda game. It all works out. Luckily, it was a Zelda game. Thank God yeah. for that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Kira, it's been great having you on. As always, we, we love uh, when you stop by to join us to talk a little bit about Zelda. And uh, we'd love to give you this opportunity to uh, plug uh, your um, Instagram uh, account and uh, and whatever else you're working on. Awesome, thank you. So yeah, I like to post uh, on Instagram about all the games I'm playing, or like reviews, just general thoughts, mainly about Zelda, Mario, Resident Evil, but I do some other things too. Lots of GameCube, so let's come check it out. <laughs> nice. And uh, what game are you playing uh, right now? Uh, I'm playing A Link Between Worlds, and I'm replaying Chibi Robo at the minute. Oh, nice. <laughs> Kira was, of course, on our Chibi Robo episode, uh, uh, I think basically maybe like a little over a year ago, so definitely check that out. Yeah, it was it was quite an earlier one, but it was lots of mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. yeah, so I haven't played the game for like, for a while since I bought it, but but it's like um that game hits hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's basically like I'm yeah I want to replay a bunch of GameCube games because I'm leaving my GameCube at my parents for a bit, was to like, move out for a bit, so I'm gonna I want to play like my favorite GameCube games again, so that's what I'm starting with. And you know that Chibi Robo is never going to be on any kind of <laughs> online service. So. Yeah, it's like you better take advantage of it. It's 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 too valuable to take away you know so yes yeah (laughs) a link between worlds is such a special zelda game for me too because i I remember watching somebody play that in the break room at my uh, part-time job in college i guess it was and they were playing it on 3ds before i had a 3ds and they had the um the gold zelda like the triforce 3ds like the 3ds xl it's so beautiful like watching zelda on that like at the time like it doesn't look great now but on that screen like the gold (laughs) and everything the sound i was so stoked to play that game and i bought it on I think I got it on Boxing Day. I went like while I was sick as hell. Like I got sick that Christmas and I bought it and then played it in bed for like two days straight. It's <laughs> such a good game. Those are both fantastic. And yeah, Chibi Robo, 
R.I.P. What about Ziplash, Neil? What about Ziplash? Oh, we don't count that one. <laughs> no, yeah. Everyone's not favorite. No, we got the Amiibo with it at least, but yeah. Yeah, I have that Amiibo display, and I'm very proud because it, it highlights the fact that I've got Chibi Robot on the shelf, which is the more important thing, the GameCube one. Yes, I, so, exactly. It's good for them. I love that you have the, the Amiibo. Thanks for uh, taking a picture of the Chibi Robo uh, GameCube uh, edition <laughs> with the Amiibo for our Instagram post back in the day. That was great. No problem. <laughs> I'm very proud to own that. Nice. I remember um, I, I have fond memories of when like you were like, oh, you should read the back of the case. And like I was like, mine's in German. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <that>. Go on. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> no one wants to hear my German. <laughs> All right, Kira, thanks again for coming on. We had a blast today and uh, we hope to have you again on real soon. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> and a great time. Take care. Bye. Goodbye. What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you very much, Kira, at Toonie Twirls, for coming on today, talking about Majora's Mask, one of my favorite Zelda games, of course, as we talked about earlier in the show. And I'm glad to hear that uh, her love of Majora's Mask really grew more and more uh, as the years passed. And I think that this really is the game that uh, I think, uh, honestly, all Zelda games are kind of like that. But I think Majora's Mask, maybe more than anything else, is uh, is a game that just grows with you the more you play it. And my favorite story, for sure, maybe my favorite story this year, is her telling the story about her friend being traumatized by the moon. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great story. It is it is a traumatizing, visually a traumatizing game, especially if you're watching the, uh, or playing the N64 version, which yeah. the, the textures are obviously, like they, yeah, janky. About them. Yeah, and even with the N64 expansion pack, which we didn't really talk a lot about, is that this game utilized the N64 expansion pack, which a uh, few games on the N64 did, specifically this one. There was uh, Donkey Kong 64. I think F-Zero might have been another one of those. This is back when you could mod your console, which doesn't really happen as much anymore. Very few consoles have ever given you the ability to modify them. Um, yeah. I appreciate the end. That was one of the few cool things that I think the N64, everyone can kind of unanimous, unanimously agree, uh, was neat. Um, this game did require you to do that. So in theory, Majora's Mask is a better looking game than Ocarina of Time, but Majora's Mask has far creepier visuals um, than Ocarina of Time did. And I love the fact that one of Kira's friends was traumatized by by this game. We're all about um, traumatizing kids uh, in, in <laughs> Zelda games. That's that's what it seems to be mm-hmm. all about. Uh, but uh, Neil, do we do we have a review of this amazing yeah. game to review today? It's time to review that review. Yeah, you see, I don't love re- doing negative reviews of classic games like Majora's Mask. I also notably didn't do one uh, last week when we talked about Mario RPG because I couldn't honestly find any negative reviews. And I really had to try to find a negative review of Majora's Mask. For the most part, the game is universally praised. It's given at lowest. The lowest I can imagine giving this game is maybe a 7-5. Like, sure. g- good, maybe really good. But like anything less than that, it's like, I don't know if I agree with you. But I did find one on Metacritic uh, written in January of 2017 by ASDFRE. I don't know how to say that. But they gave the game a zero. Uh, This game is is unplayable, apparently. But, uh, quote, not only is this game overrated, it is also one of the worst Zelda games I have ever played. The Groundhog Day gimmick is forced down your throat. There is very little story. Mm. And there are some of the worst dungeons and bosses I've ever seen in the series. There are only two side quests worth the effort, despite claims that they're, that all of them are brilliant. It is a crime that this sorry excuse for a Zelda is ranked above Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword. Sorry, contrarians, this is a video game that did deserve the hate when it came out. 
How do you think about that, Mike? Worse than Skyward Sword. What do you think about that? Clay? Just well, that. The, the, you know what? I'm going to ignore most of this terrible <laughs> review to to actually talk about one thing that they did mention here, which was the the hate that this game had when it came out. And I don't think hate is the word, but there was, and we talked about this every time we talk about a Zelda game, the Zelda cycle. Something a Zelda game comes out, people are like, "Wow, this is this game is so different than the last game. I don't like this. Bad." And then like four years later, this game is the greatest Zelda game of all time, mm-hmm. and. Um, um, and Majora's Mask certainly had that cycle. Uh, and I, I think we, of course, mentioned the fact that it had to follow Ocarina, which was groundbreaking in every way. And it used the mechanic that I'm sure a lot of people didn't like. And it was uh, very divisive. But, uh, you know, 20 years later, this game has stood the test of time and is now heralded as one of the best games ever made. And uh, so, yeah, sorry, well. I, I don't know if I'm a contrarian, Astafer, whatever this the, the guy's name is. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. It did not deserve the hate uh, when it came out. And uh, it does not deserve your hate or your words. No, the Groundhog Day gimmick, as they said, is the game would make no sense if you didn't have to use the Groundhog Day uh, mechanic. You could still have the story that the, that the world ends in three days, but without the t- clock resetting as maybe annoying. And I can see it being a divisive uh, mechanic, uh, but the game wouldn't work without it. Unfortunately, It'd be a completely different game if uh, if there wasn't this kind of sense of urgency yes. uh, with it. And obviously the, they couldn't make a long game without it. Like they couldn't have made the game feel like or in, in game three days be 30 hours without having the constant reset and you redoing constant things. So it just it's just the way that the game had to be. Unfortunately, I just love the claim that this game is worse than Skyward Sword. I, I couldn't even I couldn't even give that a response. I, yeah. I just like my no brain comment. just no comment. No comment, Neil. <laughs> yeah, but Mike, we do have a, a book that we of course go to on a weekly basis to uh to look at games that you must play before you die. A thousand and one games you must play before you die specifically. Did Majora's Mask make it into this book? Oh, it did, Neil. It did. Sandwiched right in between ASMR. uh Sin and pun- Punishment and The Sims. Very similar games, those three. (laughs) Very similar games. (laughs) Arguably the most innovative video game ever made. Wow, that's high praise. Majora's Mask may have confused fans and divided critics, but it trumps the interdimensional puzzles of both Legend of Zelda Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, with a story that blends the mechanics of a classic Zelda game with the premise straight out of Groundhog Day. (laughs) Nice. The results are as baffling, as fascinating, and as wonderful as that odd couple pairing suggests. It's very hard to come to grips with Majora's Mask at first. After the beautifully melancholy opening, Link finds himself in Clocktown located in the strange land of Terminus, a kingdom living under a death threat from a leering demonic moon that threatens to crash into it in just three days. Unlike most video game time limits, this one isn't just an empty threat. Three days pass, the moon collides with Earth, and Terminus is wiped out, and the whole thing starts over and over again. Majora's Mask is an astonishing as it is clever. And although the dungeons may underwhelm, the overworld is built with such a devious and thrifty skill that the game survives on the strength of that alone. With fascinating characters to meet, ingenious, uh, with fascinating characters to meet, ingenious puzzles to solve, and a cluster of shape-shifting masks to collect and use, and best of all, that ominous and endlessly repeating threat lurking overhead, this is the dark nightmare shadow world of one of gaming's most reliably upbeat series, a frightening alternate universe to be explored at, at length. Yeah, it's they always perfectly uh, oh, I know. perfectly summarize everything that we think Damn, of. Damn, uh, I wish I we... could write like that. Yeah, me too. I wish I could talk <laughs> like they write. Um, I like how, uh, just really quick, I like how a lot of people reference Groundhog Day being the um, the influence towards the, uh, the three-day uh, clock reset. It's actually 
we should we should say before we close out it's actually that concept was actually based on a german experimental thriller film from 1998 called run lola run Run. yes of course i love that movie yeah everyone goes to groundhog day the bill murray classic which is a great film as well i haven't seen run lola run um but i do think that we need to give credit to the film that this video game is actually based on (laughs) oh run lola run is a absolutely fantastic movie um it's it takes up and it's also three parts as well so that that number three being in there it's also only 90 minutes neil your mm, favorite time perfect i'm in uh, <laughs> and it's basically that uh i haven't seen it in like over 10 years but it's lola and she's uh, she got red hair and she's uh i think like uh keeps getting involved in this bank robbery over the three times and like she dies the first time i think the other guy dies the second time and then she figures out how to do it on the third time but yes very similar to majora's mask okay yeah, it's really neat. I I love I love how they can take inspiration from. Sometimes it's uh, actually like theater, like plays. Sometimes it's TV shows. Sometimes it's movies. I like when video games and movies can kind of take influence from each other and not yeah. be just like not just like not just a video game based on the film Run Lola Run on GameCube. Like I like when they can put <laughs> those mechanics into already established franchises. It's a cool cool kind of meshing of uh, of uh, media. Um, but Mike, moving into our closing thoughts on the game, of course, we've already talked about recommending this game. Obviously we talked about recommending playing Ocarina of Time before playing Majora's Mask. I don't think we would recommend people skip this game. It's probably a must play game. If you're a gamer, if you're a Nintendo fan, if you own pretty much any Nintendo console since the N64, one thing I did want to ask you though, is what do you see with Majora's Mask in the future? We obviously just had the, uh, the remake, the 3d remake in 2015 on 3ds do you ever think that we'll ever get like an HD remake, like a console version of the N64 games? Well, you say that we we just got that remake, but Neil, that was nine years ago. If Don't you say can that. Believe it. Yeah. So <laughs> that is uh, hard to stomach, but we've had nine years of this game being out. We had 15 years of the game being out before we got the remake. So yeah, I think we do get something. Uh, maybe maybe we get some kind of Zelda world within this world uh maybe we do get a full new game uh who knows but i i think we we get some kind of majora's mask content in the next five years for sure yeah i'm, I'm of the same thought i don't think that we're gonna see the we haven't seen the end of uh zelda remakes like just because they put them on 3ds just because we, they put zelda games on switch like i'm sure that eventually we'll see another wind waker remake oh, yeah. another twilight they're just gonna keep that's just this is just what video games are now like games are gonna keep getting pushed forward into the next console either uh, as ports, like what we see on the Switch online service, which yes, you can play this game on the Switch. I get that. You can play the classic version, but I'm talking about a real HD 1080p, maybe 4K in the future. Who the hell knows what Nintendo consoles will be like. I want to be able to play this game on an HD TV is basically the idea. And I know that that means that the game, it becomes different because a part of what makes this game special are the N64 graphics, uh, is the chibi sounds, the technical constraints of the time. I get that that's what video games are, but I would still like to see especially the N64 era and the PlayStation 1 era. Like, I love to see these games getting 2020 remakes uh, in in this decade. Like, the Final Fantasy VII treatment of the 90s Zelda games, that would be amazing. Um, I'm sure that we'll eventually see it. Uh, Like you said, Nintendo was in the uh, break glass in case of emergency um, (laughs) era in 2015. And don't worry, uh, businesses go in cycles. Nintendo is on top of the world right now, but give it time. They will dip down again, unfortunately. It's just the nature of how things go. It seems like they do go through their low times and their high times. We're in a high time right now, but eventually we will see a low time. And that's when it's honestly the best time to be a Nintendo fan. Um, In the Wii U 3DS era, when everyone was playing 
PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, I was in my basement playing Wii U and 3DS, and I was having a great time because mm-hmm. Nintendo fans were we were being taken care of. We had some really good games out there, so we'll have to wait and see for the uh, Majora's Mask uh, remake eventually. I think that's more likely than a sequel, but we'll have to wait and find out. While we're waiting for the moon to crash into Termina, though, one last time, Mike, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 44 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. On episode 44, we are doing our annual year in review. It's going to be a good time. We're going to be talking about all the things that we did this year on the podcast and all the things that happened in the world in 2023 for movies, music, games, all that sort of stuff that we like to talk about uh, uh, as the last episode of the year. So it'll be a good time, Neil. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love looking back over the year to see what we uh, what we did, some of the things, some of our highlights outside of media too. We're going to talk about some of the, like, of course, my wedding and parties and concerts. And then I love talking about video games that we played. It's fun to summarize a year. And it's a long time. We've done a lot of podcasting, done a lot of fun things, seen a lot of neat movies. So it's going to be a ton of fun to recap everything, maybe talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to in 2024 as well. So everyone, please stay tuned for that episode. It's going to be a ton of fun. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 43 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in with the new Q&A feature. Thank you so much to everyone who supported our show this year on Patreon. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Tattle and Tail, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada, and hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Pedro Marquez, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Jude, and Way Overrated. I know Kira mentioned that her favorite ear, uh, her favorite mask was the uh, the bunny ears. Uh, did you know this is a, a fun mm. fact Easter egg, if you will? Post in in the post credits, there is a mask of a fox, a bird, a, a hare, and a uh, a, a frog. Which <gasps> oh yeah, you're right. Star Fox is in the correct. This is a Star Fox game. There's also a pig one. So pig pigma. Yeah. Is there an Andrew mask? Ugh, unfortunately, <laughs> big miss. No nepotism uh, mask. That nepo baby mask. <laughs> <laughs>